This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. He was going the right way. Cohen all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. Levine, he goes right by. Chicago's game day. Garcia is home. Hanson scores. Sox win. What a comeback. Trubisky escapes again, and he's got plenty of room to run. Look at him go. There's the athleticism for the rookie. Back toward the wall. It's gone. This is Chicago's game day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Uh, good morning, everyone. Fred Hubner joining Chris Black and Abdallah here for the next three hours. We're going to talk Cubs. We're going to talk White Sox. We're going to talk Javi Baez. We're going to talk Ian Happ. We're going to talk Justify. Just because I get a point, I think will actually uh, will actually awaken the minds of my two young friends here. I, I doubt it. You you can try. <laughs> no, I you know. can seriously try, I, yeah. but uh, usually the horse conversation is when I go to sleep. Yeah, but I asked you guys a question when I walked into the studio, and that's where the whole thing ties in. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a little bit. We've got some time. Chris Forsberg from ESPN.com will join us. He follows the Boston Celtics. He, we can ask him what the hell happened. That actually may be my first <laughs> question. Then I'll let you guys get into the specifics. My um, MLB notebook around 1030. Jesse Rogers at 11. And at 1130, Nick Friedel. Now, I wanted to do this right off the bat because I didn't want I didn't want to forget about it. Um, about a week or so ago, I took a lot of people... Guff? Calling oh. me. Yeah, a lot of guff is good. Uh, calling me because I criticized the guy on the Cubs for not running out of pop-up sure. in the infield. Yeah, Javi Baez. Yeah, uh-huh. And uh, everybody said, well, you know, they're up by a lot of runs. It doesn't matter. Uh, what's the difference? He had a pulled groin. They pulled him two games ago, even though he had five at-bats, all that kind of stuff. Sure. I just wanted to let you know some stuff that I heard on the broadcast yesterday. Oh. The team broadcasts on both radio and TV. Okay. Actually, three of them, and then the other one I didn't even know about, even though I was watching the game yesterday, and I found out later. Okay, here so you, you went, go. So you went, you doubled back. Yeah. So Cub All fans, right. Cub fans, listen up. These are from your Chicago Cub broadcasts. Okay, which we don't air here on ESPN One Thousand. Um, you know, if Addison Russell would have been smart, he would have hesitated on his way to second base, not got into a double play, and a run would have scored in the first inning. Instead, Schwarber hits into a double play, and the inning's over. That was the first thing. Okay. And he get and it's funny because they even said the play by play announcer, Pat Hughes, even said, Well, Ronnie, you know, maybe that's something as an older player you learn a little bit. And Ron Coomer said, Well, you know, actually you know those things uh, when you're a kid growing up, and that's uh, one of the first things the first base coach will tell you. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, next one. Well, you know, if Albert Elmore ran out of the box in that blooper, he'd be standing at second base. Hit a little blooper, fell in in center field. He only got the first, didn't go to second base. Oh, that was not good. He eventually scored. Bryant hit a double, a gapper. He scored all the way from first. So it didn't matter. Well, it does matter because he didn't have to run <laughs> It doesn't matter. And there wouldn't have been a play at the plate. Uh, next one, uh, ground yeah. ball. Anthony Rizzo decides not to slide into second base. He's out. and ends the inning. It would have been bases loaded still, but uh, no. Rizzo figured he can get there, didn't need to slide. And that was... Back. That was, huh? He's got a bad back. Yeah, he, everybody's got a bad back. Nobody should be playing on the north side, apparently. And the last one I didn't even know about. 
Okay. And the whole Javier Baez thing, I'm not even getting into with the arguments because here's a guy who celebrates and does stuff all the time. And, you know, and, you know, a guy yells at him and they get upset. But anyway, Baez fails to run out of ground ball in the ninth inning. He gets benched. Did not play the rest of the day. I didn't know that until I read that in the paper today. Okay. So just so Cub fans know when I point stuff out, I'm pointing it out because it happened. I'm not pointing it out because I'm a Sox fan. I'm pointing it out because it happened. Now, earlier this week, I went to the White Sox game on Wednesday. And Yohan Moncada went three for four. Pretty good, right? Pretty, not bad pretty, for a good pretty, youngster. Pretty yeah. good. Average. He got picked off first base. Not good. Not paying attention. And he's, go- he's running to second base on a hit and run. The ball is lined to center field. He sees the center fielder about to catch it. He decides... There's no way I need to run back to first. He stands at second base as the center fielder throws it all the way to first base, and he gets doubled up. I'm sitting in the stands with my brother, and he's going, what the hell's going on? I said, that's just the way ballplayers are nowadays. That's they don't the way care. kids are, yeah. They don't care about running. They don't care about huh. hustling. Huh. But they didn't bench uh, Yohan Mokata on that. They should have. So this isn't necessarily starting the show with a Cubs thought. This is more of a thought on the overall generation of baseball. It, it, it's it just, well, it, and I'm trying to, actually, I'm doing this. It's self-serving. It's completely no, no, self-serving. Oh, we're, we're yeah. completely, oh, this, this everyone is, listening, yeah. we are completely yeah, everybody aware of knows. this. Yeah. Just, yeah. But yeah. Who needs a top is. story when Fred's here to... Uh, it's, no. self, it's self-serving just yeah. because we're trying to inform people that listen and send me emails and send me texts and tweets that I, I point out. When guys make stupid plays, yeah, I don't care what team you're, what team, you know, what uniform you're wearing. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't care what your name is on the back of your uniform. You make a stupid play. Now, I didn't even bring up, and I will now since I did. Jose Quintana in the second game, he's at the plate. He's the pitcher. He's pitching great. Pitches a really good game. One hit, seven innings. Hits a ground ball to second base. He took three steps out of the box and stood in the baseline. Mm-hmm. And then they, he watched the second baseman. Second baseman looked at him. Ran most of the way to first and then flipped it over to the first baseman. They show a Cub fan in the stands screaming, why are you not running? And he looks at his wife and she goes, why? He goes, why is he not running? Then they went to commercial. Now, that wouldn't have bothered me because he's the pitcher. He saw the play in front of him. Shouldn't be hitting anyway. Well, no, because there should be a DH. Yeah. Yeah, no. But, but. Those are things that happen. When you watch baseball, there's a way to play the game and there's a way not to play the game. And obviously, Joe was aggravated. And he said after the game yesterday, mm-hmm. it's surprising because all he talked about yesterday after the game was the lack of hitting. You know, we walk a run in, but we had that game so many other ways before that. Um, again, you know, yesterday you win, so you don't aren't as concerned about runners left in the scoring position. Today you don't win a game, and it's an equal number of runners left. That's, that's what that game was all about. Uh, we have to have better at-bats uh, in those moments, and if we do that, we have the right, you know, I shouldn't say the right pitchers, but that game is more formulaic. You work the game at the end. Morrow gets in at the end, and, and you play tonight with the win, but we have to do a much better job than we did today. So I know there are a lot of, of fans who maybe didn't start watching baseball until 2015. Because that's a shot. Shots fired. Yeah. Yep. Well, there are a lot. Oh, you're going to tell me there's not a lot of baseball fans who didn't start watching until the Cubs became good. No, I mean, I, I think people watched baseball beforehand, but there's probably more people that were vocal on the Cubs bandwagon starting in 2015. Nah, I you're think thinking they, the Cubs just automatic. The Cubs just sprung out new fans just out of nowhere. People have loved that team for years. Yeah, Come on now. That, and people that didn't care about baseball got on the bandwagon because they were a winning team. Okay, so that's what new, I'm saying. Those new people you have a problem with because they don't know the game. 
They don't know the game and think they do. Okay. Yeah, that's what. That's but, what I'm saying. Right. So, so I, this is a chicken egg thing because <laughs> you're either mad at the players for not playing the right way, or you're mad you're not, or you're mad at the fans for not being mad at the players for not playing the right way. Do you know what I mean? You're either mad at the players like Javi for not running out, all uh, the players for or not Quintana hustling. for not hustling, or you're mad at the fans for not being mad that the players aren't hustling. Can't you be mad at two people at once? Well, you could be mad sure, at like ten yeah, people at once. No, what I'm saying is the players <laughs> yeah. should the players should always hustle. But if you're a fan of a team and your player doesn't hustle, there's no reason to cover it up. There's no reason to ignore it. Okay, if Javi doesn't run the first base, Joe Madden sits him down. But Cub fans are going to say, "Well, that's okay." You know, Javi doesn't have to run. No, you do have I to think run. That's you can the, have situa- I think you can have situational hustling. <laughs> I think okay. that there are times when when yeah, Is that what you Boston can, did yesterday. You can we'll be get to ma- that in a minute. Well, you can be mad when your player isn't running out of the box when it affects the game. But you have to look at the situation with the Javi situation when they were up 10 runs and he's coming off an injury. He didn't need to hustle. Jose Quintana, who you're not mad at for not hustling. Okay, he's the pitcher. Situational hustling. Well, Rizzo not sliding. Yes, you can be mad at that. Almora not hustling. Almora, yes, you can be mad at that. You have to look at situational. I'm going to call it. It's a new stat. Situational hustling. Okay. Is what you have to you have sitch to look huss. at. Yeah, sitch hus. What's yeah. a sitch hus? Well, we'll talk to Sahadev well, and see if uh, they can. The athletic <laughs> can talk more about that. And see, as I read Sahadev's things, I have to look some stuff up sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you have to have the browser open next to it so you can look everything up. Uh, Fred, so to me, uh, this is just a commentary on the apathetic Cub fan who joined the bandwagon in 2015 because the team got good, and now that they're in their championship window. There are many who are apathetic to the day-to-day result when we're pointing to things that are wrong with the ball club. And it's like, are you really in, are you really involved with this team to actually go day-to-day and and participate in the conversation? Or do you just want to show up in October and go to a few watch parties? Yeah. I mean, if if you're not going to most, a lot of baseball fans will watch baseball every day. I know for you guys, for you, it's tough to watch baseball every day. And I don't blame you. 162 games is is a stretch. Last night, I would have rather done other things. My wife wanted to go see the book club. I didn't really want to go, but I said, if you'd like uh, to is go. That, is that the movie where they read? She had a they book read club? The, or you know, no, 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 no. This is a movie yes. where, where ladies, a book club, they read, they read Fifty Shades of Grey, and right. the ladies yeah. who are reading the book get a little frisky. Yeah. And wait, they're older. This is a movie. Older, older, older ladies. Wait a minute. Jane Fonda. Wait a minute. It's a who's who yes. of ladies. Let me get oh, to is. IMDb. Jane yeah. Fonda, Mary Steenburgen. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Oh, Diane Keaton. Yes. It's a Hall of and Fame Mur- The girl that played, lady who played Murphy Brown. How do we yes. not know uh, her name? Candace Bergen or something. Is Candace that her name? Yeah. Something. I think right. They're making another one of those. So those four. Yeah. So they, those four. So they read wanted, Fifty Shades yeah. of Grey, and then they all feel. Wait, it's little... not even on uh, IMDb. Yes, it is. There's one came... in 2006. No, it came out. Oh, this book week. club. It's book called club. book club, not right. the book club. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Okay. The in there. No, I'm all just right. looking no. at just it. Just like I say, you know, the guaranteed. Right? That was a nerd in class that has to point out to the teacher. <laughs> well, this that is an Andy Garcia. You didn't ta- tell me about the old dudes in this. You're talking about the old ladies. Well, yeah, because what about the old dudes they get frisky with? Johnson, Andy Garcia, Craig T. Nelson, Don Johnson, Alicia Silverstone is in this movie. I don't know what she's doing in it, but yeah. See, we could have had a great report from Fred this morning about book club. But instead, he watched baseball. And I watched Begley baseball. Junior. Yeah. Why didn't you do this instead? I didn't watch the. I didn't go to the movie. My point was, she wanted to go, and I said, "Well, 
you know, it, it, she goes, well, you don't want to see that movie. It's I'll go with my girlfriends to see it. I said, <laughs> I, okay, you know well, I'm going downstairs and watching baseball in the NBA. So Fred, I would pay twelve fifty to watch you watch this movie. <laughs> Listen, you guys will get to a point. You're both young married guys. You'll get to a point where you will tell your wife if she wants to see a movie, then you're going to say, "Okay, hon, we'll go to this rom com, and you know I won't like it." And then I'll go to the movies I like by myself. See, I'm I'm already see, your the, wife I'm, drinks beer, so I, you're you're already in good. In, well, I'm in, good in the stead. opposite uh, right now. My wife tells me to go to movies by myself. I'm like, "You want to go see Fast and the Furious?" She's like, "No, go to that crap by yourself." Like, yeah. I don't want to see. I don't want to see another uh, Avengers movie. Go by yourself, no, or, call, or she says, "Call Chris." Yeah. I get that, too. The pity call. Yeah. Hey, you want to hang out? <laughs> call Chris. <laughs> you want to go That's see good. a movie that my wife won't go see with me? <laughs> How many times have you gotten that call? A lot. Every weekend. <laughs> what are you doing next weekend when, Every weekend. when Solo comes out? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like the thing about this book club movie is like they all... I Watch the trailer. The trailer's outstanding. It is. Because they take on the persona <laughs> of what's-her-name in Fifty Shades of Grey. What? Why are you making a movie about another movie? Yeah, I don't. I mean, well, well I basically, Fifty Shades of Grey is a book, but yeah, I guess. right, right, yeah. So that's ridiculous. All right, back to yelling at Cubs fans. Okay, well, let's let's grab a call, and then we'll you know we're gonna get to the NBA. We're gonna get to horse racing. No, yeah, just for a moment. I got a comparison to make. It's been a weird morning. Are you so, going to tell me that horses. horses are people again? Oh my no, but I'm going to ask. You know, I'm going to try and you know. Um, Change your mind on something you said. Okay. So let's go to the south side. Mark, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Mark. Fred, how are you, my friend? I'm doing okay. Hey, you know, I, I used to listen to you back in the 70s on Sports Phone. You were awesome. <laughs> yeah, wow. I already know where this I was giving losers and everything. So what's up? You used to you used to break my heart every time I'd, I'd be looking for the, the, the score, and you'd always, uh, you know, what am I going to do? That's, when, hey, you, you know, that's I, when you used to bet illegally. Well, pretty soon you'll be able to do it legally. Yeah, but but never convicted, Fred. Okay. Hey, What's uh, up, Mark? I wanted I wanted to say uh, I, I love your rants about the Cubs, uh, and, and I am a Sox fan myself. But you know, I tell you, I think the best value for people that are cheapskates like myself, high school baseball. Oh my gosh! I went to a game yesterday, a sectional final. Team came from behind, uh, one in the sixth inning. You know, it just. It's just terrific. These kids hustle. You know, they're, they're, they they make a few errors here and there, but, boy, they, 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 they play so hard. And, and, you know, I was watching the Cubs a little bit, and, you know, not to call Javi Baez out. I'm sure he's a, a good man, but, man, every play he celebrates, blah, 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 and, and look at me. And, and uh, you know, it's just a, it's just a different uh, era, aura, you know, between the high school players and uh, I, I, and it's just like in basketball too, high school basketball. I mean, I can't get enough of it. So, Mark, I appreciate the call. I, I understand what you're saying. In, in high school, if you don't hustle, you know, the, the uh, they're not paying you. They can put you on the bench real easy. They're they're really not playing for much. Uh, obviously, in high school playoffs, they are, but uh, it, it's a different game. It's a completely different game. And, I, and like I said, it's not just Cubs. It's uh, Moncada didn't do it the other day. I would love to know if Ricky Renteria talked to him afterwards. It's just when you're at a game, and, and I'm not, I don't want to get into the whole factor that you know people are paying to go see these games and they should always hustle. But when there's fans in the stands yelling about a pitcher not running, even that was even over the top for me. You know? That was even over the top for me. Because for the longest time, if a guy hits a ground ball to second base and he doesn't hustle all out to get to first, 
I said, well, I don't really. That's not that's not a big deal. You see that he's not going to throw the ball away. Yeah. All he said to do is flip it. I got people that coached me in the past saying, no, 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 you can't do that. You've got to run out of each and every play. Well, I mean, I guess that's job, their job as coaches, but uh, situational hustling. Situational right. hustle. I think that's actually a good Success. choice. Yeah, we're going to have to go with that situational hustle. Okay, you want you want to get to this racing thing now, so we don't have to get to it later. Not really, but uh, if we have to, well, okay, yeah. you know, go ahead. no, we'll get to it later go ahead. because I got another stat, uh, a horse racing stat that Capel like <laughs> for you. Great. Yeah, um, but here's the thing: we've been waiting. You guys more so than me, but uh, a lot of people have been waiting for the conference finals in the NBA. Sure. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what the number 13 is? What's the number 13, Fred? The closest any of these games have been. Okay. Have you enjoyed watching the conference finals so far, five games in? Yeah. Have they've been you? okay. I love the conference finals. You, what, did you enjoy much after the first quarter yesterday? Yes. Did you really? Uh, yes. Last night's game, not really, yeah. but... Last I enjoyed, game was really bad. I liked watching it, even though I, uh, had, I had the Celtics. Um... <laughs> But well, they were down fifteen in the first quarter. Yeah. So, well, yeah. thanks to Chris, I had the the Cavs in the first quarter. Um, but they were minus four in the first quarter. What did I tell you? It was easy money. There you go. Um, it sure was. But I think it's it, it's you. The storylines are still prevalent in these games. Well, how, they had plenty of time to talk. They had three quarters to talk about the storylines well, because the game was over. How like young? How the young Celtics team is going to react? Like you see. How the Cavs, the others that we're now calling them, are how they keep playing and keep playing. You always have to wait because the Celtics always have. Yesterday was the first time in the playoffs in most of uh, most of the season where they haven't had that run in them. Yeah. Where and you were always wondering, okay, well now they're, they're they're down twenty, but they always have that run where they just shut down the other team yeah, I kept and can score fifteen half. or seventeen in a row yeah. and can make it a game. It's much like the the Warriors do. In, in whenever they get to the third quarter, they all and it didn't happen in their last game. So you're always looking because basketball is a game of runs, and until the end, like even in the last quarter when they're down twenty, you always think that look, you can always when did the you ball stop can thinking? stop going in at three with three minutes left. Did you stop thinking? I pretty with like eight minutes left. Okay. See, why did you even take the bait? Because like, do you don't even have to defend it? Fred is looking for you to defend. I know this. he is. So then he can say he hasn't enjoyed watching the basketball playoffs. It's fine. If you don't enjoy it, then don't watch it. But but you know what I did enjoy about last night's game? And for those people, a lot of people that have heard me or that are not basketball fans are going to be surprised. LeBron's getting as close as he can possibly get to Michael Jordan. Sure. Okay, because what he did last night, there were times where he was throwing no-look passes, you know, no-look bounce passes when he had two guys on him to guys driving in the lane for slam dunks. Uh-huh. He's He's been amazing to watch, mm-hmm. and he has been amazing to watch for a while. And I changed my opinion on him about two and a half, three years ago because I said, well, this is stupid because this guy's one of the best players of all time. Absolutely. And to say the only criticism I, I had of him after that was that he complained a lot. Uh, and, and when I mean complain, I mean he complained like just stopping on court and yelling at the ref when the ball went the other way. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, what this guy did last night, he didn't have to do much, but he went 8 for 12, 3 of 3 from the 3-point uh, arc, and 12 assists. He didn't mm-hmm. need to get many rebounds. He didn't need. He played 37 minutes. He didn't need to. He could have played 20. He could have sat out afterwards. But he he allowed other guys on his team to actually step up. George Hill had a nice game. Kevin Love had 14 boards. Um, they shot 50% from three. Mm-hmm. I mean, a yeah. lot of teams are going to win when you shoot 50% from three. Yeah, it's really tough to lose yeah. in that fashion. You also out-rebound the Celtics. The Celtics had 34 rebounds. The Cavs had 45. So that's a hustle stat. you know. So they, at home, 
early on, it got going, it got cooking, people were hitting threes, and all of a sudden everything starts to work for the Cavs. And we've seen that many times from them throughout the season, and that's not really the issue. The issue is when those three-point shots go drop down to, like, they make 10 for the game. Yeah. Can you defend enough to keep a, a young team from running on you? And I think that's what we'll see as the, the series continues on. So, like, the larger point, Fred, is that you wanted to prove to us that these games in the conference finals have not been close, so they're not good, right? Well, kind of, because when you get to the conference finals, you want to see games yeah. that are coming down to the last couple minutes. You'd like to. You want to see some exciting games and to be honest, for for viewing purposes, they haven't been really exciting. Unless you guys are, unless you're huge NBA fans well, right. and you're looking for those kind of things. Well, and they a, obviously could be closer, but I think if you are looking for a critique on the sport of basketball based on just a few end results, I think that's missing why people are so interested in this product is the storylines and everything that's gone into this season and what has built to this point. You just mentioned LeBron and Jordan. That's part of the yeah. intrigue is that, you're right. He is getting as close as humanly possible to Michael Jordan as a player can get in this day and age. So each time out, you see him get on the court, and each time out, he performs well. It's another step towards something. Now, what will happen in Game 4? I think that's part of the conversation as well. Because, oh, that's huge. Because now, if uh, if this series gets tied two games apiece, who do you favor for the final three? Is it the Cavs or... Do you like the Celtics because they get two home games? Have they not lost at home? They, they have not. At no. home. One that, and five so. on the road. So that's like, if you go with the trends, that's how it's going to play out, is that the Cavs will win the next game, and then they'll go back to Boston. Something, there, it, it's got to be completely mental. Because you look at the way the Celtics were able to shut down the Cavs in the first two games. Right. Or whether it was just the Cavs not being able to hit shots. And Brad Stevens has to, figure out a way to get in these guys' heads or they just have oh. to get out of their own heads and and win a game on the road. Like, yeah. you're not going to win anything if you can't win on the road. Like, you're, what, you're just going to win your home games? Well, listen, though. We know that this is how it works. Young guys don't play well on the road in the playoffs. The refs are going to be heavy on the whistle against you as the road team. Jalen Brown picked up two quick fouls early on. At yeah. the end of the first quarter, five fouls for the Celtics, one foul for the Cavs. Mm -hmm. There's a reason things transpired the way they did in last night's game. Yeah. It just, that was the, the blueprint to the game. Now, if the Celtics were able to keep that within 15, maybe 10 points, throughout the second and third quarter, then you have a competitive game. But they weren't able to do that because the three-point shots are going down. Jalen Brown only played 21 minutes. For the Celtics to win, they're going to have to get more for Rozier and Brown. Tatum played okay, but like that's just... Uh, they talked a lot on the broadcast about Al Horford didn't even have a shot in the first half. Right, I know. So, I mean, the like Celtics three didn't shots even the whole play. game or something like that. Yeah, well, yeah. so, I mean, you know, looking forward in the series, I, I, I think both teams uh, obviously could still win the series. I mean, you know, it only sports media people would say, oh, this team can't win, even though you right. actually do have a chance to win it. Um, but I think the Celtics will be fine in game four. If they win game four, then the Cavs are really in trouble because I don't think the Cavs can then roll off the consecutive wins and, and beat this Celtics team. Now They're not the same Cavs that played the Bulls back in the day. Yeah, and then yeah. now no. if you get 2-2 going back to Boston, okay, now LeBron will probably end up getting to the finals again. Yeah. Well, it'll if, this, if the Celtics win their home games, they'll, they'll be fine. But 
if it comes down to a game seven, even if they're at home and you've got these young guys looking at LeBron in a game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. Listen, that Boston crowd, that's not a normal crowd. That's an I, angry crowd. I, I understand that's an angry crowd. That's a very but, angry but crowd. LeBron's an angry man. We'll talk oh, yeah. more about the game. Chris Forsberg, who follows the uh, Celtics for ESPN.com, will join us when we come back. It's Black. It's Abdallah Hubner. We're going to talk horse racing later. Stick around here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. Doubles it to Love at the top. Bounce to a cutting LeBron. Watching reverse dunk at the rim by LeBron James. Cleveland back up 20 on the Love assist and the James Jam. The Cleveland Cavaliers come back home and put together a full, impressive 48-minute performance. And they will take game three. By a final score of 116 to 86. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Ah, you heard those highlights right here on ESPN 1000. Fred Huebner back with Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. 312-332-3776. That's the number. We'll get to uh, some of your calls a little bit later on, talking about all things uh, basketball and Cubs and White Sox and Horse racing, but I know Black and Abdallah oh. can't wait. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about what happened to the Boston Celtics last night as we bring in Chris Forsberg from ESPN.com. Chris, do they just not get good pillows on the road or something? One in five in the playoffs <laughs> in the postseason. What, do, are they not sleeping well? What's the problem here? Yeah, you know what's funny is they were really good in, in the regular season on the road. I think they, they led the East in, in, in road wins, and I think they were third overall in the NBA. You know, I think it just comes down to it's hard to win in the playoffs on the road. And I do think, you know, there's just something mental about it. You, you think about the Celtics have been up 2-0 in every series. Well, they lost in Milwaukee. He's really got their doors blown off up there. They probably should have lost game three in Philadelphia if they don't dump the confetti early and find a way to win that game in overtime. And then last night, I mean, it was just never close. That was about as, as lopsided a loss as I've seen the Celtics take this season. Uh, in terms of like no rally, no fight, uh, a little surprising. I'm, again, I go back to it. It's tough to go in there. You know, you're going to get a motivated LeBron. Uh, that being said, the Celtics clearly have to be better on the road. And if it is mental, they got to figure out how to how to move past it in these playoffs. Uh, covering this team throughout this season, when they do get blown out, how do they respond in the following game? Yeah, you know, again, it's it's, it's been kind of rare. Right? Sort sort of their calling card this season has been that they'll fall behind by 15, 20 points in a game, but then they'll either make a, make a run and, and something. I mean, they were, during their 16-game winning streak early in the year, it felt like they came back from double digits uh, in about half of those games. Uh, it's been very rare that they've just kind of gotten blown out start to finish. Uh, and you just felt it yesterday. It was almost like I think there's a, a little bit in their mind. One, they were a little bit content coming up here. Uh, I also think they, they sort of rationalized it and said, that, you know, if you get a split, you go back to Boston 3-1, uh, that'd be, that's still in a really good position. So maybe they started thinking ahead, like, all right, game four, let's just hit the reset button. Uh, I have no reason to believe they won't come out better than they did in game three. And I think they're going to clearly have motivation for, for, for how poorly they looked. Uh, part of it is just that they're a young team and they don't tend to linger on things a lot. They don't sort of get caught up in the, in the mental side of it a, a little bit. Uh, but I, I, you still need to see it because there's, there's a, definitely a way when LeBron's on the other side to, to get rattled pretty quickly. How was the mood in the locker room after the game? Did they think that basically everything had to go right for the Cavs for them to get blown out this way and that it won't happen again? Yeah, a little bit. But I think the way they looked at the first two games as well is that there's no way that 
LeBron's supporting cast was going to continue to play that badly. Uh, you know, I, the starting backcourt the other night, game two there, J.R. Smith and George Hill, I think, had three points. Like, that, that just wasn't sustainable. And the one thing we know about the playoffs is, like, the role players and the bench players especially, they just play better at home. And so I think the Celtics sort of expected a stronger response. I think they were a little bit disappointed that, again, that they didn't have it and that they never found a way to at least, like, whether it was gooning it up, like it, like Ty Lue said in Game Two, or doing whatever it took to, to sort of find a way to to get back into it. Um, and hey, the, the thing is, they got to know that it's coming again in Game Four. And if if LeBron plays like he did in Game Three, it's going to be difficult no matter whether his supporting cast steps up and makes those shots or not. Uh, interested to see how the Celtics handle that poise wise this time around. How did all the Celtics take to the uh, the gooning it up comments? Because you know it came out, it was actually a kind of a compliment. How did the Celtics take it? Yeah, I think at first when they, you first hear it, you're like, wait, is he is he suggesting that they they were doing stuff that wasn't you know on the level? And uh, but then when you hear it, it, it made sense. It's it's just you know these are the playoffs and things get physical and. Uh, you know, sometimes you the, the 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 that's the way you win. I I, I think about uh, that sequence where Marcus Morris spilled below the baseline with Tristan Thompson and is yelling in his face. And you know, listen, that's not the most sportsmanship type of thing, but it's it's the playoffs and people are fired up. And uh, I, if I had to guess, that's more what Ty Lue was referring to than than say like you know being doing doing uh, chippy plays or anything like that. Uh, but let's face it, they, they didn't show that sort of resistance in game three. So uh, whether they got to go back to gooning it up or, or just get back to sort of being the more physical, more uh, aggressive team, uh, they, they need to certainly get back to, to that sort of mentality for game four. Did you notice anything different about the way LeBron attacked the Celtics last night compared to the first two games? Yeah, I think the one thing that, that really stood out to me was just that not only was he, was he getting to the basket and finishing it for, on his own, it felt like throughout the first two games, whether he just didn't trust the supporting cast or uh, whatever the case may be, it felt like he would attack the basket and he just went up with his shot. And I think what we know from watching LeBron is one of the ways he's most dangerous is when he drives and kicks because, one, he's an amazing passer, and two, like, you know, all of a sudden you get these pretty decent shooters on the wings who, when they are hitting shots, those three-pointers are just backbreakers because they're open shots, and, and if, if J.R. Smith and George Hill hit those, hit those threes and Corver. Uh, it, it seems to snowball in a hurry. And yesterday just felt like he was more looking for those guys and more willing to use the drive to, to, to kick out. And he just played a really efficient game. You know, that game he had the 40 points and triple-double in game two. It's still high volume of shots, 29. It just felt like he didn't have any faith in his supporting cast. When he can get everybody else involved, it really makes it tougher on the Celtics, and they can't just kind of key on LeBron. Uh, I think that, that that finally found a way to sort of loosen up that Celtics defense. But again, I go back to it like that wasn't the Celtics last night. They just they they, they just didn't have the effort level, and, and they were so late rotating out the guys. They've they've got to be better in those situations. What adjustments did Brad Stevens say that the team can make to kind of let LeBron get his and go back to limiting the other guys on the the Cavs like they did in Game One and Two? Yeah, I, I don't know if there's any secret. Again, it, it, it helps when those guys were, were on the road and they, they struggled to make those shots a little bit more. Uh, you know, they certainly got to be better at not wandering away from those guys in order to commit so much attention to LeBron, which is just natural, right? Like, it's LeBron. So if LeBron starts attacking the paint, you got three guys scrambling over with help. Uh, you got to be disciplined and make sure you're, you're not letting those shooters catch it because, hey, let's face it, if J.R. Smith gets going, it's a lot different of a game than, than what we saw in Boston. It just comes back to being disciplined and uh, not sort of losing the, the focus that they had through those first two games. 
I know Brad Stevens wasn't real happy with uh, Horford not getting any shots uh, in the first half, but he only had four for the game in 30 minutes. Uh, how did they change that? Yeah, I mean, so there's been these lulls during the season where, um, you know, whether it's, it's, it's on Al or, or the teammates for not getting him the ball where he hasn't been aggressive enough. And I, I do think the, the, the pattern has suggested that nights after Al has quiet games, uh, he comes out a little bit more motivated, and the Celtics will certainly run more actions, I think, early in game four uh, to sort of get him going. Al's been great this postseason. I, I mean, uh, the, the, even up here in Boston, uh, throughout the regular season, there was this notion of average Al, and one of the local radio guys tagged him as, as sort of this, this guy who makes $30 million but doesn't put up the stat line that's maybe commiserate with, with that uh, uh, salary. But when Al gets going, and, and we've seen it this postseason, uh, it just really changes the game. He's been great in the post. He's been able to stretch the floor. They've really got to lean on him. I think there was one point last night where I, I even thought that. I said, you know, what's the harm here if you just let Al take the next 11 shots? Like, sure. if there's someone you trust to make, to make baskets out there, it's probably going to be Al. So I just think they they got to find a way to, for him to be more involved, especially when uh, young guys like Jalen Brown were, were struggling and, and got foul trouble and were kind of in their own head at that point. Chris, we appreciate a couple minutes of your time on a Sunday morning. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks, guys. Take care. Chris Forsberg from ESPN.com. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, was it Doris Burke that was doing sidelines on TV last night? Yes, it was. She said, uh, when she went up to Brad Stevens, he said, your notebook isn't nearly big enough for all the stuff that we did wrong in the first half. Yeah, no, it's true. And they looked awful in the first half. Yeah. Everything went the Cavs' way. And uh, expect them to come out in a different uh, style uh, for Game 4. I just think it'll be... Interesting to see if the shooting can keep up for the Cavs because that was they weren't they were missing uncontested shots in game one and two and those uncontested shots went in yesterday yeah. so it's just a matter of whether or not they can shoot if they can shoot at, at the most basic thing if Abdallah, they can shoot they will win yeah the sure game. why why did you throw out the story I just handed you because I handed, I handed it you to a you. story to bring up to Fred that we could do next and you threw it in the garbage. Why oh, did the you new Four Loco? Yes. Because I gave it to you earlier and you didn't want to do it. So then you were just giving it back to me and I thought cuz I'm closer to the garbage the garbage is right here underneath. <laughs> See what and I have I thought, to deal with, Fred? I thought well, you wanted me we, to throw it out. We wanted to ask for you. you about Four Loco, Fred. That's what we know. wanted to do. The young guys want to ask Fred about Four Loco. I, I don't know what that is. So we we yeah. do that we come back and then I got there was something that happened. There was something that happened in the first game. Yes. Or in the game last night that I want to ask you about and the horse stuff yeah, we got so much to do stuff. but then Come again on. at 10 o'clock we got a lot of open time no, i so want the horse your stuff. calls 312-332-3776 uh the the, the um, basketball thing will only take a second i think uh jesse will join us at 11 nick friedel at eleven thirty because he's just looking for a friend right now after being at the combine all <laughs> hey week cheeseburger you think he showed everybody how, where Oshival was let's go each and every guy follow me it's uh abdallah black hubner here on espn 1000 no no This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Okay, in case you missed it yesterday. And they're into the stretch, and Mike Smith goes to the whip on Justify. Ken Foles is closing in with Bravazzo on the outside as the field comes into the final furlong. It is Justify in front. Good magic on the outside. Ken Fold, Bravazzo, Justify. He's unstoppable. He won the Preakness. 
That was a call from the Horse Racing Network. You heard it right here on the ESPN 1000. And, uh, yeah, Justify wins is, uh, wins two, the first two legs of the Triple Crown. And now I know you guys are having fun with this in the eight o'clock hour. I don't mean fun that you enjoyed it. You just fun because, you know, it was a big race and you said, okay, we'll mention it. Uh, but you were talking about how horses don't know when other horses pull up alongside of them. But you guys both have dogs. Dogs are pretty smart. No, what no, makes no. you think horses aren't smart enough to I, know? I didn't say that they didn't know that they pulled up alongside them. I, the, the commentators afterwards were saying that Justify looked the other horse in the eye and pulled out a gutsy win. That's not something a horse can do. You That's don't like think one horse an and animal. dogs are running? They want to be in front of the other dog? I don't know. <laughs> No, they want to. They want to smell each other's butts. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that. It'd be bad if Licking of did other that. things. Uh, okay, so I didn't know that this was going to come up, <laughs> but this is a story from last night with my golden doodle Gus. Uh huh. Gus the golden doodle. We ran into a couple in butts. the lobby of our building that he knows and loves. So we're with them in the, the lobby. He's, the people or the dog? The people. Okay. Their dog wasn't with them, but he knows the people. Right. So yeah. he's going nuts, going nuts. We all get on the elevator together. They live on the sixth floor. We live on 17, right? Mm, so we go up, get to six, the doors open. The couple that Gus loves get off the elevator and they walk left. The doors close. We go up to 17, the doors open. Our apartment's on the right. We get out of the elevator and I go to walk like we do every single time we come back in to our apartment. And he refused to come with me because he wanted to go left yep. because he thinks the couple went left. He yeah. doesn't understand that they're on a different floor. But the dogs Chris, are idiots. No, he's, he's, but he's not, though. I mean, they, the dogs, well, I mean he, doesn't, he doesn't have the mental capacity no. to understand that but, we went up in elevation, thus on a different floor. But did he look the couple in the eye and stare <laughs> them down and pull out a gutsy win? <laughs> I think his effort to try and get me to go right was gutsy. Okay, here real quick, and I know we're running late. Here's the stat I wanted to make sure we knew, and I posted this. I said, I'm sure Cap knows this. There have been 144 Kentucky Derbies, 143rd Preakness Stakes, and 149 Belmont Stakes. Secretariat has the record time in all three of those races, and he set the record 45 years ago. Anything comparable to that in any sport where someone set a record 40? Now, there's probably one. The 56-game hitting streak. But other than that, there's nothing comparable to that. No, because all sports are utilized people and not animals. Okay. I mean, I mean, Jordan never lost in the finals. Yeah. That's pretty good. Okay. He's also a human. He's a human. And he can actually look someone in the eye and have a gutsy win. We have a four loco story we need to talk We're to you about to that. later. Right? we got plenty of time. 312-332-3776. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner. We're talking... Well, mainly baseball and basketball, but horse racing, too. Here on ESPN 1000. (laughs) You see Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is there and gone. Deep left center. Game over. Cuts win. Cuts win. Chicago's game day. He is at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. It's a triple play for the side. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome on in. Hope you're having a nice Sunday morning. Last week was Mother's Day. This is just a Sunday morning, and it's still crappy out. I, I like mornings <laughs> like this. Well, yeah. I, don't, I don't mind them because I'm not a big fan of the sun. No, this is a day where <laughs> I'm... really not. I, I like 
seventy two and overcast. I don't like the sun. That no. is a hot take. <laughs> days like days like okay. this are perfect. Um, my in-laws, well, yeah, my in laws are coming to town, so we're gonna do a little brunch, and then yeah, after, where are you brunching? I don't know yet. Somewhere up, uh, somewhere up by my by my apartment. Abdallah, then, is it going to be a boozy brunch? No, it's not. No, because I'm with their parents. So, so you can get be. drunk with parents. What's I'm, wrong with that? I'm not going to get drunk with their parents. <laughs> drunk is drunk. What's wrong with that? And then uh, I'm not going to feel at all bad about catching up with like four episodes of Westworld because it's it's bad outside. Is okay. I watched Westworld the first uh, season. Yeah, I heard someone mention this the other day. We'll get the sports in a second. Um, no, we'll talk. I, I, we started the first hour with the book club. Yeah, and now we're doing the Westworld. <laughs> but not a book club. Someone the movie, mentioned, the book club. Yeah. Someone mentioned the other day on Twitter, and it was actually something that made me laugh. Usually, it just makes me shake my head when people are on Twitter. Um, but they said, "Is Westworld the best show that you really that nobody really understands what's happening?" I think it's right now. I think it's that and Legion. Okay, I watched Legion for the first six episodes, and I said, "I got to give exactly. it up." Exactly, I don't get it. Legion exactly. is wild. Watching it is so hard. To watching understand. Legion is like living on mushrooms. Yeah, like I, it I'll is it. so messed up. Yeah, I had to stop. But I, Westworld, there was other I haven't caught up, so I'm. I've only watched the first episode so far this well, I'm season. The same way. I've only so watched the first one. I gotta. Wa- I gotta catch up, but I heard it's weird. Yeah. Uh, so, but I'm looking forward to it because I like weird. How would you know what it's like to live on mushro- mushrooms? I've taken them a few times. Well, tell us about this. It's not fun. When was the last time? <laughs> uh, the last time was uh, Lollapalooza a while ago. Not like years. This is years and years ago. Years and years ago. One of the first ones that came back. Uh, it was Primus and Billy Idol. Ooh. And uh, Billy Idol started. And then I woke up four hours later. Uh, like I was awake the whole time, obviously. But what then, do you, like, would the things come after you? Yeah. Did, well, I, th- I won't. It's <laughs> this is ESPN Radio musical notes. Um, yeah, musical like, notes you're, you're the one that brought yeah, up like, mushrooms. It was, so it was I like the, to find out. It was like the. Uh, it was like a stereotypical like very bad uh, experience where like stuff looks like cartoons and um, <laughs> like I was the dude. Uh, like it. Like I saw Primus and I don't remember it, and it was it was not good. And I never again. Never ever ever again. Don't do that, kids. It's bad for you. It's bad for your health. All right, you brought it up, so don't that's do why those I asked. Don't I just do asked the follow up question. It is so. not good for you. Okay. Don't do those things. Now uh, we were just looking at some of the highlights during uh, the Sports Center, and LeBron. We talked about him earlier. LeBron had a, had a really nice game yesterday. Um, didn't do, get a lot of rebounds. Didn't need to. They didn't miss a lot of shots. So, um, but. He throws a pass. He drives it lane on the left side, goes up in the air, hangs for a moment or two, then kicks the ball out to J.R. Smith, who hits a three. J.R. Smith then did something that I don't know if it was if it bothered me, and I know you guys think, well, everything bothers you. I don't know if it bothered me or if you guys were bothered by it or if you even thought about it. But he looked at the scorer's table and shrugged, and I'm saying, hold it. What are you doing? You can't, you can't use the MJ shrug after hitting a three in the playoffs. Well, J.R. Smith is his own special yeah, kind of uh, something. Can... So, like, did anybody else think about that when it when it happened? Because he, no. liked, he looked at the sideline, his palms up, he just kind of like shrugged, and I'm going, no, 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 no. Fred, he also does that after every single time he makes a basket because <laughs> yeah, he, has okay. the, he has the expression on his face, like, how does everyone else in the world not under, understand that I should be shooting every single yeah. shot ever shot by any basketball okay. player ever? Okay. I, I won't think that's that just they, who J.R. Smith is. I won't think J.R. Smith has ever done anything wrong. He's easily one of my favorite players in the NBA. He's so fun to watch, and he plays uh, with like like Chris said. He thinks that 
every single shot he takes is a good shot uh-huh. and a high percentage shot because when he, it's more he should be shrugging when it doesn't go in because he <laughs> believes that every shot should go That's in. That's why I his coach is his coach is shrugging. So at much that point. confidence. It's it's so great. There was a good highlight during the season. Uh, LeBron hit a game winner uh-huh. and LeBron like dribbled the ball at the top of the key for like 10 seconds and then drove in and hit a shot and the Cavs won the game and in the highlight the entire clip of the highlight J.R. Smith is standing 40 feet away from the basket on the other side of the court waving his hands like hey give me hey give me the ball over here give me the ball it's like Dude, that's that's LeBron James. He's going to take that shot. Yeah, you're, okay. you're not taking no. that shot, sir. In J.R. Smith's mind, J.R. Smith is the greatest shooter yeah. in NBA history. Yes. People forget, you know, you just mentioned that, you know, uh, about LeBron taking the shot. And again, this is just stuff off the top of my head that I think about once in a while, um, which is what you do on a Sunday morning, come up with these kind of things. But people forget. They talk about last-second shots and guys going, you know, James Harden needs to take that last shot and you know, LeBron needs to take that last shot. People forget that Michael actually dished to Paxson and Steve Kerr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and you don't, I don't know that James Harden's going to pass the ball to anybody No, for a last second no. shot. But J.R. Smith also has the green light. Like, that's why he was brought to Cleveland. Like, that he has oh, no, the, I, yeah. he has the green light from Ty Lue and LeBron, more importantly, to whenever you touch the ball, shoot it. Mm-hmm. So, and because of that, he thinks he can, that's why he's so, when he gets on, when he hits those first couple threes, He's so dangerous yeah. because he, if he's hitting his threes, the game's over. Like, that's the end of the game. He was Bulls property, was he not? He was, yeah. yeah. I don't think he played much. No, he was, he, did he get, did he ever play? Did like, he get traded here and then not, or like was he never he played and, or he played like one game? Yeah. And didn't play, like, it was a coach's decision. Because it comes up every once in a while when we talk out. about it. It comes up once in a while and, yeah. um, I'm going. But that was also, he, he had some uh, character issues back then too. Like it, he, but here's no, the difference. I have to look at him and imagine he no, had character like, issues. Think about it this way: it, isn't it amazing that when you get someone, someone has a character issue when they're in a bad situation, but then when they get in a good situation, all of a sudden they don't have character issues anymore. Look at Demarcus Cousins in New Orleans. Did he have any character issues last season? No, he was fine. He well, fit in. He played well. Does that mean that when you have players like that, they have they have to go to a team where they're not? Numero uno, where they're well, not the number one guy, or do you blame the situation? You know, what, I mean? you know yeah. what I'm saying. Like, why did J.R. Smith all of a sudden, once he's under the wing of LeBron James, and and now he's playing for with a team that's competing for something? All of a sudden, no, there's no issues with J.R. Smith. Like, he's yeah, he's funny to watch, and right. he does a lot of funny stuff on the court. But like, he was labeled as a bad character. Like, guys are always labeled as bad character guys right. until they win, and then no one brings it up anymore. Yeah, well, what's going on? What's going to go on with Cousins this year? I know, obviously, he says he would love to re-sign with New Orleans. I think I brought this up to you a couple of weeks ago, and you were, people were questioning, well, the way New Orleans played, why would they want him back? Yeah, that's a good point. He'll be a uh, unrestricted free agent, so he, he'll hit the open market. But the problem is, uh, you tear your Achilles. That's a tough injury to come back mm-hmm. from, uh-huh. especially a big. You know, who knows how that'll work out? We saw what the torn Achilles did to Kobe at the end of his career. Um, I would assume based on DeMarcus Cousins' game itself, it probably won't change that much, so he'll probably be just as productive. But what team is going to offer him a max contract right. this summer? Yeah, you you know, like, and that's that's the thing to kind of look at. I agree. I don't think he needs to go back to New Orleans because I think what they have and what they did in this playoffs 
build upon that running pace space Mm -hmm. playing four guys on the floor who are all kind of guards and then have anthony davis be your center forward combo guy you don't need to go big you're Uh you're good enough the way you were in this round of the play in the playoffs this season so it'll be interesting to see what happens with demarcus cousins or does he sign on somewhere as like a guy piling in to a, a situation where you have other free agents going there, and maybe he takes like a one-year prove-it-to-me deal. The Bulls have money. I was just going to say that. The Bulls do have money. Yeah. The Lakers will have money. Um, there are a few teams that will have money, so it'll be interesting to say. I mean, if you're a Bulls fan, do you want DeMarcus Cousins going forward with this team? I mean, I could see a situation where marketing and Cousins makes perfect sense. Now, the moment you start thinking about basketball, you have to weigh it with the other side of it, is probably the Bulls front office and organization want nothing to do with a guy no, like DeMarcus right. Cousins. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, off the court, I've, I, I, he's one of the guys that does probably more charitable stuff mm-hmm. or as much charitable yeah. stuff Absolutely. off the court. He still on does the, stuff in Sacramento. On the court, if, if when you watch him, there are games I watch him and I go, I, this is like my least favorite player in the NBA. But then what he does... Okay, no, so, as long as he's not shooting threes, so let me, I know he can make them. <laughs> I know he can make them, but he always he thinks he can make every one. He thinks he's got a little J.R. Smith in him. Let me ask you guys this question: I think it's obvious that he wouldn't get along well with Fred Hoiberg. Uh-huh. How long do you see Fred Hoiberg being here? Uh, I, how, how many more years are left on his deal? Couple. Yeah, I want to say I want to say would, two. I think he I think he lasts his deal. Okay. Because I think the other thing you could consider is if you want to build this team to be a championship-level team, you have to add talent. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that comes with taking uh, some talent that may have question marks attached to it. But that's how you then start to compile a team good enough to compete for championships. You can't, you know, like, you can't just have this whimsical mindset and you're just going to draft your way into a championship, right? That's That's impossible to do, right? So many other teams have found guys... You know, Andrea Godala, who was acquired by the Golden State Warriors, was acquired with a question mark, and that right. kind of started things in that way. James Harden was taken by the Rockets through a trade because Oklahoma City couldn't pay all three of their guys. You know, there are things that go along with all of this. And DeMarcus Cousins, when when good and healthy, is a top seven, top five player in the league when he's playing at his best. If he's at a bargain price... Yeah. I don't know. I get that the personality may not mesh, but if you don't plan on having Fred Hoiberg here for the long haul, then why wouldn't you try and get a talent and then find a coach who can coach the talent? Okay. You see what I'm getting at? No, I, I, I think that it depends on who they sign this year, uh, how long Hoiberg is around for. Because if, like you said, they, they've got to develop guys. And I think that now that this year that they're going to be competing or trying to compete we'll see more out of fred hoiberg like we didn't question what he was doing like in late game situations out of timeouts and that kind of stuff because these games supposedly didn't didn't matter matter. right so if they came out of a timeout and didn't perform well or lost a game on a last second play most of the fans were like good because we want losses so now when these games matter how does he perform and i think this is the this is the prove it year for fred hoiberg because Mm -hmm. now the the front office and everybody involved with the team want to get back in the playoffs and they want to be uh, someone who can make a deep run in the playoffs and that's going to be what Hoiberg is measured by. When will the next time a guy as talented as DeMarcus Cousins will be available unrestricted in in the NBA and willing to just, probably sign just, for less? Right? Just just available without you having to make a trade and give something up and not. Uh, 
being at their 100% peak where they're a free agent and you know that there are no question marks attached to it. I don't know if you can look at the top 20 players and say, oh, that guy's going to be, you know, before a month ago, a lot of people thought Clay Thompson at some point would be an unrestricted free agent. Well, it sounds like out of the bay that he's more than willing to take a pay cut to stay yeah. in, with Golden State for the long term. So oh, he'll, he'll never want be. To leave the bay. Are yeah. you kidding me? Well, right, but like, so see, like he was, at the, he was in, uh, sitting in the front row with the Giants game the other day with a Giants hat on. Yeah. And the announcer said he would have never done that if his brother was still in the Dodgers. Yeah. His brother's not. <laughs> he's wasting away in the South Side. Well, so like, just, <laughs> just look at the top talent in the NBA. Uh, when will a guy with Cousins' talent become available mm-hmm. next? You know, LeBron gets to choose where he goes, so he doesn't really become available. Right. Durant will choose where he goes. Russ signed a new deal. Harden signed a new deal. Steph signed a new deal. Anthony Davis deal. So, I mean, like, those type of guys, those guys are not available. Well, plus, if you sign Cousins in the offseason, some kind of prove-it deal, and he's on a one-year with, like, a team option, something like that for a second year... That's a tradable asset if it doesn't work out. That's something that the Bulls could trade and get a first round pick for if it doesn't work out. So I don't, I don't see it as a. It's not a win lose situation. We just it's took a right down a uh, Demarcus Cousins yeah. trade yeah. scenario Bulls yeah. rabbit hole, and I don't think he's happy about it. Well, I understand about. most of it. Uh, half of it, I lost. You <laughs> lost me there, but it, it actually ties into something else I had written down yeah. here because, despite what you guys think. I don't like to call people stupid. I don't like to call people dumb. Um, now <laughs> why, maybe, why would we think that? Well, maybe generational. I mean, not generationally. Maybe in general, I might. Well, you, know, you hate people un- under the age of forty. No, we, no, we get I don't. It. I don't hate them. I mean, all of my nieces and nephews are under the age of forty. There you go. <laughs> my my nephew, which you guys met, uh, there's hate sometimes, but you know. Um, but I heard something this week, which I tweeted out, is one of the dumbest things I heard on radio. And I want you guys to explain why I'm wrong or why it's a good thing. I heard people asking, and it's not, Sylvie asked it. I don't think, I don't know if it was necessarily his idea, but he asked, would you trade Markinen, the number seven and the number 22 for Kawhi Leonard? And me on the other end of the radio listening to that thought that was the dumbest question I've heard from anybody in a long time. Now, I know that that's a question that's out there. People are thinking about why would the Bulls in the midst of a rebuild, why would you move two picks and the guy you got last year, which you think is the guy you're going to build around for a guy that is coming off an injury, didn't want to play for the Spurs last year. Wouldn't you be setting your rebuild back two, three years? Uh, well, I can answer the first question. Do we do? I think it's a dumb question to ask that. No, because I understand the point. The mm-hmm. point is you want to be good. We don't know what marketing will be. I get that we all hope that he'll turn into an all-star player, but you know that Kawhi Leonard is one of the top five players in the league. Yeah, but you're we also you're all you were also bad this year and not bad enough, but you were bad this year and you moved Miritich so you can get another draft pick in the first round. You have two first round picks. Yeah, but the, the two first round picks. But again, Kyle Kuzma was picked what twenty eighth last okay, year. But, so but you can, can find guys anywhere, but that doesn't mean that they will find the right guy for this team. And it's also but it doesn't mean they won't. Oh, okay, but the, so why are, why are the Bulls in this situation then? If the Bulls have been drafting great players like Kyle Kuzma late in the first round every single year, why are the why are the Bulls in a rebuilding situation? Well, they haven't. Well, that's that's my but, point. But they hopefully did last year for the first time with Markkanen. But they, they missed on Donovan Mitchell though. Well, uh, 
12 other teams. And let's too. be real. The Timberwolves are the ones that did the legwork on marketing. Yeah. The Timberwolves are the ones that wanted marketing. So we wanted to trade as Bulls fans. They The Bulls traded Jimmy Butler to the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves are the ones that wanted marketing because they loved him and the shooting well, and scoring and everything. But so did the Bulls. Right. But it was because of the trade that they got them. It wasn't because they targeted this one player, and that's the team we moved up for. That's the team that wanted Jimmy Butler. That's why we got that player. But, but I mean, let, let's be real with, with it. That So it's – I get what you're saying, Fred. You can always draft within the first round star players. I get that. They also missed on Draymond Green. Why does he right. play for the Bay? Why is he out in uh, Oakland and San Francisco? Yeah. The Bulls missed on him? Yeah. Well, again, everybody in basketball did. Because so he who says the that they won't the miss round. with Thibodeau 22? wanted him. Huh? Thibodeau wanted him. But, but, right. no, no, I know. So, so who says that they won't miss with 22? Obviously, they can get a star player at 22 if, if, if the cards land right for them. But there's also and the possibility that they don't. There's going to be more. There's going to be more than you know six players in this draft that actually play for a while in the NBA. Sure, well, you, but they have to draft the right player. And you also have to think of the other teams in the East. They're not better than the Celtics. They're not better than the 76ers. And they might not be better than the Raptors with whatever they add if they sign Levine and they have Markinen and you have Portis and you have whoever you draft and sign. That's fine. If you want to make moves and you want to be the best, you have to get one of these top players. And the only way to do that is if the only way to do that is to give up Markinen and flip the roster and try to try to get uh, one of the top superstars in the NBA, you might have to do it because the Bulls don't have anybody that anybody else wants to play with. Well, like, the Bulls don't have that guy that, you that think other... People would want to, you think the Bulls would be able to sign people in free agency, which they've never been able to do because they would have Kawhi here? Okay, they haven't so, had so players me, that people so, wanted to play with before. So without just doing that conversation... No, I know, and they haven't signed anybody. Hold on, let, let me ask you guys this question, though. Remove marketing and take the picks. Send them to San Antonio. Kawhi Leonard with the collection of players that you have currently on the Bulls roster, does that team make the playoffs? I think it does. Yeah. I think Kawhi Leonard with the group of players that were here last year on the Chicago Bulls. With Zach Levine Chris, and Chris, Chris Dunn. Dunn. Levine, uh, you have uh, Portis, you have uh, Lopez. That's a playoff team in the East. Yeah, I don't know about But they're going to want more than well, just the hold picks. On. You're, you're underestimating how good Kawhi Leonard is. That team no, would I'm make under, the playoffs. I'm, under, I'm, not, I'm underestimating what they have left. So We don't know what Zach Levine is. We know he we can't. Don't. We've seen that he can't shoot. We mm-hmm. don't, but I think Kawhi all of a sudden makes the entire team better defensively. The Bulls were not that great on defense. No. Now everyone's a little bit better on defense. Now you have a go-to score. You have a guy who can do things offensively. Things start to open up. That's just kind of how the game works. So I think if you look at it that way, now you have a team that's kind of upstart, a little fun. You have a guy who's a star. Now guys may want to come sign here because this team would be a lot closer than, say, hoping for marketing to develop into something because right now he's an, un- he's an unknown. He's not the guy right now. Maybe he turns out to be that. We don't know that. Wouldn't it make more sense, and we'll get to a couple of callers, wouldn't it make more sense to keep marketing? See what you get from 7 and 22. And if you're going to make a move, make it next year. Well, because, so, so because with marketing. That's fine. I see your point. Uh, how, do you, how do you know guys like that will be available, though? You know, it goes back to how oh, no, we started no, no, this know, conversation. Right. I know who, Kawhi, who I know out of the top 10 Kawhi will is. be available. Right. You, you never know who's going to be available in the future. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard seems to be somewhat available. DeMarcus' cousin seems to be available. Those are two top 10 players. I would mm-hmm. rather keep the two. Get keep marking in the other two and bring in cousins, then trade all three and bring in because I just think by trading all three, you're really 
you're you're laying everything at that point on Dunn and Levine to be players that can play and, and are going to be very, very good players. Yeah, but even if they're average players, next to Kawhi Leonard, that's pretty good. I don't think so. Do you uh, look at I, the I, look I, at the Spurs roster around Kawhi Leonard? When he's been healthy, that's been the third, second best team in the Western Conference yeah. this year. They could barely get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They, it's a completely once you add a player like that with the collection that you have, they're a different team. And he clearly wants out, so you also have to guarantee that he's going to sign here, right? Well, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't do it for one year if he's going to bounce. Let's gra- let's go to Downers Grove and Mitchell. You're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Mitchell. Hey, what's up, fellas? Um, I was going to disagree with a point earlier. I think um, the best young teams in the NBA are built through the draft, including the Warriors. I mean, when you really think about it, they were two games away or two plays away in a game seven from going back to back with just the team that they drafted. That's why Kevin Durant going there was ultimately, from my vantage point, a cowardly move from a competitive standpoint. Now you guys change topics. I think it would actually be foolish to not trade Markinen and a draft pick for Kawhi Leonard. The juice is totally worth the squeeze on that. He's only 25, 26 years old, best two-way player in the league, top five player. We don't even know what Markinen's going to be. And having watched basketball for two decades now, he doesn't exactly scream transcendent player. Like, Do you think he's better than Porzingis? Because Porzingis can't even get the Knicks into the playoffs. On his own, I think you would have to pull the trigger on the trade for, real, for Leonard. Re, real quickly, you said real quickly. You said uh, Markinen and a pick. Well, he hung up. Markinen and a pick. Yeah. Markinen and a pick. No, I mean, I, well, yeah, but I think you're kind of pointing out it'd be the seventh pick. I would assume it wouldn't yeah. be twenty two. No. You wouldn't trade twenty two and Markinen for Kawhi Leonard. The Spurs would laugh you out the out the building. No, but, you can make the you can make the offer first. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why not? If you don't, do they, you have know, a, do they have a second round pick they could sell too? Maybe, maybe <laughs> add that in there. Real quickly, since real quickly since we're going to baseball in a little bit, let's go to Lou in St. Charles. Hey, Lou. Hey guys. Uh, I think I, I think that you guys are overrating uh, Leonard just a little bit. You guys think he's a little bit better than I do. Do you think he he would ultimately be the best player on the championship team in the NBA? Yes. Okay. Right, well, uh, we dis- we differ on that, but that's not why I called. Uh, say say everything holds true and the and the Bulls just stay at seven and twenty two, right? So say at seven, you, you have a couple options. You have Bridges or a guy like Porter. Would you roll the dice on Porter, knowing that he very well might not even play in the NBA, or obviously he could be the best player in the draft? Or do you go with a guy like like Bridges, who might be just a a ten year solid NBA guy, but just essentially a, a piece? What do you guys think? Thanks. Thanks, Lou. Uh, the Porter. Do you actually think that a healthy Michael Porter will, uh, is going to be there at seven? Uh, yes. Do you? No, okay. I don't. I, I see what Fred's saying. If if the medicals check out, he'll go before seven. Some, I've heard people say yeah. the medicals check out, he'll go th- in the top three. Yeah, I could see that. I could see. I, think I could depends. see everything leading up to it to all be smoke. I think it depends on what Don decides to do because, because if, he still if, hasn't decided. Oh, he's well, going pro. Come I know on. even he's though his pro. coach is now his, at Phoenix. Yeah, right? his I agents know he's just going playing pro. games. Yeah, his agents and he's. I think I think they are too. Uh, but if that makes teams a little skittish on him, I think Porter could go soon. It also a matter of what uh, people think of Trey Young because if you look at ESPN.com's uh, latest mock draft, they have Trey Young going pretty high. I think he's going like fifth overall. Mm. So I don't think that Trey Young is going to go that high because. 
I don't think he's that good of a player. So uh, I think the Porter, he might be there, but I don't know. And let's be honest. If you don't think Kawhi Leonard's good, where have you been? Because the 2014 San Antonio Spurs won the NBA championship against the Miami Heat with LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and everyone. Kawhi Leonard was the best player on the floor in that series. But he had help back then still. Okay, he had help, but the question was, can he win a championship as the best player on the team? Yes, he's done it. He's also been top five, top three MVP candidate for the last two seasons before Mm -hmm. he got hurt. Come on. Are, are, are people even watching basketball these days, or, or are we just uh, Some are. consuming the hot take uh, symposium from uh, Fox Sports 1? I mean, what's going on here? We come back. Uh, what is this nonsense? Kawhi Leonard's not good. MLB I had someone on Friday in night, Fred. starting lineup. Someone came after us saying Jimmy Butler is better than Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, what well, is going on here? That's a mistake. Yeah, come yeah. on. Insanity. I'm sorry, Fred. As Black Abdallah Hubner, some baseball Angry. we come back. Don't forget Jesse at 11, Friedel at 11.30. We'll ask Friedel what he thinks. That'll take up 20 minutes. Here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. Only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. And the ball driven to left center. Sousa. He's got it! He's got it! It's a no-hitter! Fred goes around the horn. It's a triple play for the Sox. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Fred's Baseball Notebook. Oh, welcome on in. Fred Hubner along with Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. And each and every week we do a baseball notebook. And uh, I tried to do it the other day with Yurko and we got sidetracked. Never got to it. <laughs> Never got nice. to it. So it was okay. I had some stuff there, but I moved some of it over to this, uh, to today. Beautiful. But I, I didn't move this over. This is today's lineup for your Chicago Cubs, Adam. Um, ben Zobrist is playing second base and leading off. Oh. So you figure, okay, Ben's at second. So what's going on with Baez? Well, I get to that. Albert Almore is in center field. Anthony Rizzo is at first base. Hey, where's Chris Bryant? He's on the bench. He's getting a day off. Wilson Contreras catching at third base is Ian Happ. Kyle Schwarber in left. Javi Baez at short, meaning Addison Russell has a day off. Jason Hayward in right field. And Hugh Darvish is your pitcher. Now for my Hugh Darvish stat, which I didn't get to earlier. Um, and you may know this, Chris, because you've been all over Hugh Darvish. Just covering him. I don't mean yelling at him or anything. Yes, right. Um he, is, he pitched into the seventh inning 31 times last year. 31 times he pitched into the seventh inning. This is his eighth start. He has not gone more than six. But the Cubs are four and three in his games. So they still have a 500 record with him on the mound. And he is going today. Uh, Baez, two for his last 25 with 10 strikeouts. Rizzo, four for 15. But he has two doubles and six RBIs coming up in, the last, in this three-game series so far with Cincinnati. And Ian Happ, five for nine with two doubles, a triple, two homers, and six walks. He's eight for twenty-one during a six-game hitting streak. So uh, the Happer is doing some things. The Braves have released Joey Bats. Oh no, that was, that was short-lived. <laughs> yeah, he uh, batted one forty-three, five for thirty-five, two homers in twelve games with the Braves, and they said uh, that's enough. We don't need any more of Joey Bats. 
Hey, guess what? You're not going to believe this. Most people in New York don't. The Mets won a game. So the Mets climbed to try and win this game. And Wilmer lofts one to left field. That's going to get the game winner in. Peralta grabs it. Nimmo comes home. And the Mets win it. A walk-off sacrifice fly for Wilmer Flores. And the Mets rally for two in the eighth, one in the ninth, to beat the Diamondbacks 5-4 to four and win back-to-back games for the first time in five weeks. Now, they've been struggling, to say the least. Now, they're still over 500, the match. They're 22-19. and 19. They're uh, three and a half games back of Atlanta. The Mets get the win. Jacob DeGrom hasn't allowed a run in his last 19 and a third innings. A 183 ERA, third best in the National League. Would you guys like to see Manny Machado at uh, shorter third for the Chicago Cubs? I think that would help them out. I think that, that yeah. would work. I think he's, that makes sense. He'd be a nice addition. Yeah, I he's think. hitting 347, 14 homers, 42 RBIs. He's first in RBIs, second in home runs, um, and he's doing quite well. Let me ask you this, Fred. Why do people point to Bryce Harper over Manny Machado? I don't know. Because of the the bromance? And the well, long because, hair? Because the... The, if you go year-to-year stat comparison, Manny Machado is the better player. Yeah, but he doesn't have game night with the Bryants. Okay. So. That's right, he doesn't. You're right. Because so, of Hollywood game night. So, long, <laughs> if you could only have one going fo- going into the future, who would you pick? That's Probably tough. Machado. Yeah, it's tough. I like Machado a lot. I don't know. I Or is it a trick question because the Cubs have all of the money, so they could actually get both? They could if they'd like. They probably could. They're, make, they're, they're just printing money over there. I don't think they will, but... They have the Brickhouse Tavern and then the place where they print the money. I was yes. over there yesterday. Were you? Yeah, I took a little tour to Wrigley. Let me ask you guys a question, and it's got nothing to do with what came up earlier this week about short man syndrome. Nothing who, who to do with it. Who brought that up? Who said that? Who's got oh, short you, you, no, it was on. It was on. It must have been on Cap or something. There was a whole thing about hmm. short man syndrome, and they were talking about Delavitt. Oh yeah, about it, was, uh, it was. A, it was a chronicle right. of his. It was right. a Cap it was, joke. It was a chronicle. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanna, funny. I'm asking yeah. you guys. The reason I say it's got nothing to do. With it, I just want to ask you guys how tall you are. I am five uh, ten uh, on a good hair day. Five eleven. Okay, seven five seven five seven. Okay. Do you know Mookie Betts is only five nine? Yeah. Do you know he's got fifteen homers and leads all of baseball? Wow, fifteen home runs for a guy who's five nine. Now, right. I'm not going to say that he's taken anything, mm-hmm. but it's pretty amazing that he's five nine and can hit the ball that far. Fred, it's not only that. Uh, he's been amazing. He should be probably the MVP of the American League. Yeah. But Mike Trout is still putting up better numbers. Yeah. Like, which is insane. Well, and the, the thing about Mike Trout, he's on my list here. He went 0 for 21 earlier this week. And that was the worst 0 for right, uh, in his career. 0 sure. for 21. Since then, he's 3 for 5 with two home runs. He belted another one last night. <laughs> So he now has 14 homers on the season. Yeah, his war is 3.9. Mookie Betts is 3.6. Yeah. So even though Betts is playing out of his mind and, and the Red Sox are fantastic, uh, Mike Trout is still the best player in baseball. And we talked about it last week. It'd be nice if we got a chance to see him once in a while. Yeah, what? Yeah, we never Who? get to see him. Yeah. And Mike Trout, he's a baseball player? Yeah. Plays with the Angels? I don't watch his games. Okay. You Thanks probably so. didn't watch Thanks this. So. You probably didn't see this one yesterday either. Aaron Hicks singled and scored in the first. And he drives that in the air to right field and deep. Solaire back, looking up, and it's off the top oh, Jorge, of the wall. What'd you do? Hicks rounding second. He's got a chance to score here. Hicks rounding third. He is headed home, and Aaron Hicks will score standing on an inside-the-park home run. All smiles and maybe a little out of breath for Hicks. <laughs> 
little. It's funny. I didn't hear that part when I listened to it the first time I stopped <laughs> it. Uh, Aaron Hicks, the first Yankee to hit multiple inside-the-park homers in a season since Mickey Mantle hit three in 1958. Aww. So I'm bringing the Mick up. Um, Gary Sanchez had two homers yesterday, and a guy named Gliber Torres, he's a rook, some rookie. He had a three-run homer. He's a guy. Yeah, he's not bad. Uh, Corey Kluber, first in the American League in wins. He's got his seventh yesterday, a 5-4 win over the Astros. Uh, Max Scherzer struck out 13 in seven innings in the opener of a doubleheader with the Dodgers. The problem was uh, the Nationals didn't win that game. They lost them both, and the Dodgers used Kenley Jansen to save both games. Now, the question came up yesterday when I was here with Murph. We were wondering if if Joe Madden would use Brandon Morrow to save both games, obviously, if they had a chance. Of the doubleheader? Right. Yeah. If they yeah. had a chance to save, you know, if they had a lead going into the la- later innings. They didn't need him, obviously, in the second game. But it, I would have been interested to see if Joe would have done that. Right. Because he's so concerned about, you know, all the giving guys rest and everything like that. I would say no. Yeah. Because, what, what, uh, what did you guys say yesterday? We, I said I didn't think so. Murph wasn't sure. He thought he just asked me the question. We were off the air. We yeah. weren't even on the air. We were just wondering. Um, Josh Hader, remember him? Long-haired guy from Milwaukee? Yes. 27 of his last 38 outs are strikeouts. That's he pretty had, good. He had a game last week where he struck out eight guys. He faced eight guys. He struck them all out. The Brewers are 16-0 in games he's pitched. Wow. And you look at the standings today, Milwaukee's in first in the National League Central. Game and a half better than Pittsburgh. The Cubs and St. Louis are both two and a half back. So, let's see, Mets walk off win. Oh, you guys know Fortnite. And I only knew it because I figured yes. out what Fortnite was during the yes. NCAA tournament. Because yes. all the NCAA tournament yeah. players Yeah, baseball's got it. a Fortnite problem, don't they? Yeah, well, they did. Someone else? A little, uh, a little arthritis yeah, in the Yeah, they hands? did. Yeah, David Price did. Oh. Then he said he was going to stop playing it. Yeah. He threw a complete game, five hitter, throwing 98 pitches the other day. Yeah. So dropping in on a new map doesn't affect him? Take that, Fortnite. All right. I don't okay. know, dropping in a new map, I don't know what you're talking it's about. A, it's a Fortnite yeah, reference, Brett. Yeah. Uh, he had uh, a walk in eight strikeouts this after giving up Fortnite. So. And one other guy, real quickly, because uh, his streak continues, uh, Adubal Cabrera, or Herrera, homered, drove in three. Phillies beat the Cardinals 7-6. to six. That's good for the Cubs. Uh, Herrera extended his on-base streak to 45. He's reached base 45 straight games. Uh, Philadelphia is a half game back of Atlanta in the East. Who would have guessed at this point in the season Atlanta and Philadelphia would be 1-2 nobody. in the National League East? You're right. Absolutely nobody. And on uh, Thursday, Fred, the Red Sox got to the 30th win plateau of the season. They're the first team to get to 30 wins. Even though they're not in first place in their division because they have more losses than the Yankees do at this point. That's an interesting stat because they, mm-hmm. they got 31 now. And the Yankees yep. only have 29. Yep. So are they the only team? Yep. They're yep. still the only team. The Red Sox were the first team to 20 wins, first team to 30 wins on the season. Hmm. Those are numbers. Boy, I, you know what? If we could just see more of those um, Yankees-Red Sox games, it'd be great. I know, you know right? I think we'll get a chance. Yeah, I think, I, we'll I think see, that's how it works. I think we'll see each and every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's Black Abdallah and Hubner. We got Jesse at 11, Nick Friedel 1130 here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Bounces, Myers, cross-court, Scotty, oh, oh, and he went right over the top of him. Most Bulls fans will remember that. Probably don't, don't know that it was on this day back in 1994. Yeah, May 20th, 1994. The Bulls win 93-79 to over the New York Knicks. The series is tied. Three games apiece, Fred. That was game six. 
That was also the game that Scottie Pippen dunked on Patrick Ewing and then stood over him. It's a classic highlight we always see when you see Scottie Pippen highlights and old 90s Bulls highlights. How about this? Scottie Pippen in that game in 40 minutes only scored 13 points. He had 11 rebounds, 5 assists. He went 5 of 16 from the field. The Bulls were led in scoring by B.J. Armstrong. He oh my had 20. God. Uh, let's see. BJ. Six, 16 from Horace Grant. 10 from Pete Myers. 9 from Bill Cartwright. A bunch of guys off the bench. Steve Kerr and Luke Longley scored off the bench for the Bulls. And what was the final score? Final score was 93-79. The Knicks were led in scoring by Patrick Ewing. He had 26 points and 14 rebounds. Even that was a route. 18 from John Starks. Easily... The most disrespectful dunk I can think of. Yeah, it's pretty great. Like in NBA history, that is up there as most disrespectful. And then the Allen Iverson game one of the NBA finals against the Lakers hitting the shot and then stepping over Ty Lue is up there with disrespectful moves in NBA history. That and who did Shaq dunk on and then push to the ground? Do you know what I'm talking about? Tons of guys. No, no, no. But this one was like. He dunked on him, was basically like had his legs wrapped around him. Straddle move? Chris Dudley. Yes. (laughs) And then pushed him to the ground. Yeah. When Shaq, you can can, uh, YouTube it. Blazers for Chris Dudley? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Fred, do you remember covering this game? Uh, I remember, I remember watching, watching it. it. We, I, I, I covered some of the games in there in, uh, for the playoffs, but I did not cover that series. Okay, so old box scores on uh, basketballreference.com. The Knicks in that game, they shot 16 three-point shots. They only made six. The Bulls shot 11 three-pointers. Yeah, they made what, two. But the game the, used to be. The Bulls won the game 93-79, yeah. uh, and just, they made two three-pointers. Just for reference, yesterday, the Cavs shot 34 three-pointers. Yeah. Yeah. They hit 17 of them. Well, yeah. how many are Houston going to shoot tonight? 40? At probably, least. probably close to that. Yeah. It's just amazing to look at how the old games uh, were played. And I mean, that classic highlight was so good, too, because was, that was in the old Chicago Stadium as well, right? The old stadium mm-hmm. was great. I mean, It's an unbelievable place. Um, so kids, go to the YouTubes and look up YouTube. disrespectful and dunks. Go to the well, YouTube. And, <laughs> and also uh, go look up uh, old stadiums. I The other night, I'm not kidding. I'm not making this up. The other night I was in a Google image hole of looking at old pictures of the Chicago Stadium. You really need the NBA more than you know. <laughs> you know, I mean. No, hold on. That stadium was so cool. Have you looked at the it was design no, I the understand. I, I get that. But the fact that you're Google imaging old stadium pictures Like some night, of the 300 section was like up against the yeah. north and, and south wall. Yes. There's like four or five rows and then brick wall behind it. And no one could see above a certain level because you could smoke in there. Well, yeah, yeah. For the longest I mean, time you listen, could, yeah. 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 Listen, I, it was a great state. If you For live hockey. in a city and you're unaware of how great that stadium yeah. was, then do a service and look up some images. For hockey, the Read second, bal- second balcony seats... Uh, for hockey between the blue lines were great, great yeah. seats. Friend, my good friend Sammy back in the day had um, first row, second balcony behind one of the um, the nets, which was awesome. But you had to be aware because the puck came up and you know towards you quite often. And those were great seats. And I had season tickets for the Bulls in 70, 75, 76, 76, 77. Mm-hmm. I had first row, first balcony. 
That's the first day that I took good. my wife on. We went to first row, first balcony. She didn't tell me till years later. She forgot her glasses. And the only thing she can remember <laughs> is how big Artis Gilmore's feet were. I said, really? That's all you can see? She goes, his shoes were huge. I go, we were in the first balcony. How did you see, could you see his shoes were huge? Well, they were huge, Fred. They were. They, were. they had very, well, I mean, very big feet. Also, you have the organ that was like in the middle between the different levels. Yeah, it was, it that was, was just, awesome. It was in the first balcony, kind of a, a raised up a little bit. Like, why? Like, that. That's something that's unique that I stood in the stadiums loft. should be yeah. implementing now. I stood in the organ loft for a Rolling Stones concert. Look at this thing. Awesome. It was a Look great, at how great cool place. that is. Do you think uh, an 18-year-old understands how cool that is? No. That's why we're here neat. to bring... We're, we're here that's to right. mend it. We, we're here to take the old with the new and combine it. Abdallah. This is the, what we're here. Fortnites. Look at yeah. that. Look how cool that is. Remember that, that nice morning I said that we had a couple minutes ago? Yeah, it's, it's, pouring, yeah, it's raining. pouring rain yeah, out now. Not, but, not nice. So if you're bored today, Google image Chicago Stadium. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. Hey, we come back. We got Jesse Rogers. We'll see how the weather is in Cincinnati as the Cubs try to get one in. And you Darvish tries to get a victory and go seven innings. We'll see if that happens. It's Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Huebner here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. There's a drive that had a big sound, and it will go! Double, walk, triple, home run for Ian Happ today. Three extra base hits all to the off-field for Ian. Drilled to right. Gone! Happ has homered twice off Romano. Twice today. It's a happening. Back in the town where he played his college ball, Ian Happ doing so much damage here. You see Chicago's game day <laughs> only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Uh, Jim Deshays makes me laugh. Uh, highlights courtesy WGN TV Channel 9. The Cubs split a doubleheader. They had like three hours in between, and Jesse was working all those hours, no doubt. Running down, talking to the players, the managers, Javi Baez, what the hell happened? And uh, then all of a sudden, getting his stuff done, and all of a sudden, here's first pitch in Game 2. It was a long day yesterday. We'll see how long it's going to be today. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner, and we go to Cincinnati. And he is so hoping they play today and don't have to stay till tomorrow. It's our own guy, Jesse Rogers. Hey, Jess. Hey, guys. Yeah, today so far, the only day of the trip, it has not rained at some point in the day. Now, it's supposed to rain later today. The forecast changed. It was supposed to start right at game time, but it looks like they could get it in. But every day of the trip, it has rained at some point in Atlanta or Cincinnati. So hopefully no delays today. God, you look at the first game yesterday. And I know Joe was none too happy. Uh, did he comment on the what happened with the bases? Obviously, he commented to himself and his coaches about Baez not running out of ball in the ninth inning because he benched him uh, and, and made a substitution. But did he comment on, like, Russell running into the double play in the first or Almora not running out of the box in the ball to center or Rizzo not sliding in the second base? Yeah, he did. Not so much the Russell play. I, I'm going to give Russell a little break because it's it's bang bang. Yes, in hindsight, he should have gotten a rundown, and and the smartest of of smart players will realize that. But maybe he doesn't know how hard it's hit at first, and he thinks he could beat the beat it. You know, so yeah. I, I'm going to give Russell a little break, but but not a big one because a really smart player would have understood it. But like the Rizzo play for sure. I mean. 
you know, that's why Madden was so upset. You don't see Madden or hear Madden get that upset with his team. I've only seen it probably three or four times. I can name them. I go back to his first spring training. They were playing sloppy. I remember he went off on them. Um, and, and it's mostly going off to reporters. I think he likes to get his message through that way instead of closed-door meetings. So, yeah, he was upset about all that stuff, absolutely. Um, and then they come back and play a clean game in Game 2. So. Right. I mean, games like that, the first game, they're the exception, not the rule with the Cubs. Jesse, is Ian Happ right now the second best hitter on the Chicago Cubs? <laughs> Isn't that funny how it works? I mean, and this is where, again, I'm going to credit Joe Madden. Now, I'm not saying there's other, there aren't other methods, but he just will not bury a guy that's on this 25-man roster. Different case if they send him down, but... You know, you're, he's going to give a guy a lot of leash. Now, last year they gave Schwarber a lot of leash, but eventually had to send him down. So it doesn't always work, but you're not going to bury a guy after 50 at-bats is kind of what I'm saying. It's baseball. You have to give guys time to find themselves a little bit, especially at their ages. I mean, they are still very young. and You can't say inexperienced. I mean, I guess you could with Happ. It's his first full year. The other guys have serious experience going to the World Series, but Hap is finding his way, and in this day and age, finding your way might be a ton of strikeouts, where 20 years ago, finding your way would have looked different, maybe, because obviously 20 years ago, if you were striking out this much, you would be in the minors, but these days, I mean, everybody's striking out. Max Scherzer has struck out over 100 batters in 10 starts. He's averaging 10 strikeouts a game, so you can't just look at Ian Hap's strikeouts and say he doesn't belong, because everybody is striking out. But they stayed with him, and you see the talent. You see the talent from both sides of the plate. That oppo power he has, that's pretty impressive for his size. So look at his numbers now. He's surpassed by his other than the ribby total. He's surpassed some other guys with on-base percentage and OPS and stuff. It's incredible the turnaround he's had. So, yeah, he's as good as anyone right now, along with Chris Bryant. He's going as good as anyone right now. But we know there's going to be steps backward. Here's the key with a young team like the Cubs. You know, there's so much there's so much talent there. I mean, they can afford a couple guys not being great, and right now that's like a guy like Rizzo. They just can't afford three or four not going well, right? I mean, guys can take turns being hot and being cold, but you can't have half the lineup be cold at the same time. Jesse Rogers joining us for hard-hitting Cubs news. Jesse, I have a hard-hitting Cubs question for you. Yesterday, Javi Baez got into a fake baseball fight where the bench is cleared. Who would you least want to fight in a real fight? Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, or Wilson Contreras? Oh, I thought you were going to throw Schwarber in there. and I, I meant to talk to Schwarber today. No, he's a teddy a bear. Guy, well, don't, don't you think he's a guy that if you, if you like the fuse, he, he'd yeah, go. Yeah, he'd knock he, you out. Yeah. yeah, he'd knock you out. It's funny you bring that up. They had a moment in the clubhouse yesterday. This really has nothing to do with anything. After the second game, they're pretty happy. One of the clubhouse guys, great guy, uh, lined up in a football stance against their security guy. You know, the Cubs have a security guy, big guy, as you'd imagine, a security guy. And Schwarber pretended to hike the ball. And the, and the players were offering this attend, uh, clubhouse attendant $5,000 if he could get around the security guy. Security guy put one one hand up, and he went backwards and had no chance. So um, size matters when it comes to that kind of stuff, right? Uh, I, you know, I think to answer your question, I mean, everyone would probably say Contreras because he's, he's stronger than Bias. Uh, and probably equal in strength to Rizzo. Rizzo's maybe a little bit bigger, but he's probably got that fuse as well, right? So I would probably least want to face Contreras when he's mad. 
I don't think bias would be as bad as Contreras would be if he was if he was mad. And I, Rizzo might be a big teddy bear as well. I'm not sure if I would I would uh, choose Rizzo if I needed a guy to fight on my side as much. I don't know. He he came out of he was out of that was he in, he was in the dugout. He came out of that dugout as quick as anybody yesterday when the whole well, bias thing with you know with uh, with Garrett started. Yes, he did, and I talked to him today about that. He's like, yeah, I was out there quick. I'm going to protect my teammate, but. And he, there, that's a big butt. There were no punches thrown, as Adam said. It's a, it's a, it's a baseball fight without without any punches. Right. I also talked to Zobrist, who said by the time he got over the dugout fence, everybody was at home plate. He's like, man, these guys jump over the fence. I'm climbing over. I'm 37, <laughs> man. I can't get over that quickly. So he's like, I'm going to miss most of the fisticuffs if they happen because I'm too slow out to home plate. You know, they got to be careful because remember the one time where Ryan Dempster hurt himself coming over the uh, that thing one yeah. time to celebrate a, a victory. I think it was. He came out. And I heard an ankle or something like that, or a groin. Hey, you Darvish is going today. I know all Cub fans are going to have their eye on you, Darvish, yourself included. I ran a stat earlier today. I saw he pitched into the seventh inning 31 times last season. This is his eighth start. He hasn't gone more than six. I mean, that, it's got to change eventually, right? Yeah, you'd think so. You'd think so. His stuff is, is too good not to change eventually, at least a, a little bit. Um, maybe we have to lower some expectations. Other, you know, some people picked him to, to win the Cy Young, but at this point, five clean innings would be nice. <laughs> he's done it. He's done it this year. He's done it against the Brewers twice, but he's got to do it more often for what they've invested and what they expect out of him. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's a good hitting day. Weather's cleared up a little bit and, uh, it's hot day game in Cincinnati. That ball can fly. Yeah. So, Curious to see. It's okay to give up a solo home run to Joey Votto. That's going to happen. Curious to see how he reacts to to a bad moment or two. Um, and again, that could be a home run. That could be a couple errors. Um, let's see it. Let's see it. And hopefully he's, I don't know what the word, stretched out or in good condition because last time he had to come out after four innings because of his illness. He, I asked him between starts how he's feeling. He's like, I'm eating more every day. I'm feeling great. Should be okay. So, I hate to use this phrase, but no excuses, right? You got to come up with a big effort, win this series, and and go on from there. The Central Division continues to be bunched up. Yesterday seemed to be a, a good way to kind of describe the entire season. In Game Two, you score ten runs, you win the game. Game One, you lose, and you go one for sixteen with runners in scoring position. What game and, and everything you saw yesterday do you kind of signal to that that's more of the Cubs team that we're used to watching this season? Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll put I'll make the glass half full, I'll say, and I'll just I'll say the second game. Uh, you know, there is a good aspect to going one for sixteen with runners in scoring position. You're getting a lot of chances, and I don't think it's the Cubs are are going to be some unique team that gets chances and never scores. Why would it be them? Right? They've got good names on on on, on their lineup cards. So. I think that that's a product of, of good offenses that sometimes will not plate them. Now, plate all those runs, but, but more times than not, they will. They lead the league with uh, nine uh, games of ten or more runs. And now the converse of that is, do they lead the league with uh, the most games of three or less? The answer is no, they don't. They're sort of middle of the pack in that, and, they're, they're, and there's more contending teams that have done that than the Cubs in scoring three or less. So... As weird and unbalanced as it sometimes seems, it's not that strange. Uh, it's probably more strange that they score 10 or more runs as much as they do. But three or less, look at the, look at the Washington Nationals. They are struggling to score. There's yeah. a, look at the Arizona Diamondbacks, Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, there's a lot of contending teams that fail to put up those big numbers sometimes. But over the course of 162, are you scoring enough to win 90 games? Well, the last three years they have. I'm just going to assume they will this year. 
especially since they're number one in runs per game and they're number one in total runs, even though they've played uh, some of the least games in the NL. So I think there's more good than bad, even if there are moments of shutouts and one runs. And I think this Tyler Maley, uh, the Reds pitcher today, shut them shut them down at Wrigley Field. So we're gonna we're gonna see those moments, but this is a marathon, not a sprint, and. What the offense does in October is really more important than anything that we see right now because they're good enough to get there. It's what they do there that matters most. One of the bigger stories yesterday coming out of the Cubs was Addison Russell talking about the trade rumors with Manny Machado and everything else. Was there anything to come out of that today? No, not really. I mean, we've started this this talk way, way early, mostly because the Orioles are out of the race already and, and Machado is going to get traded. So those two things are sort of facts already in may so but i don't know last time a, 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 a rental was was traded in may i can't i may, it might be the first time if it ever happens so i think we're way premature on this um i'm not sure the cubs even i'm going to say need them of course you would take them but i'm not sure they need them and to give up a lot for a rental position player that would be kind of a luxury i mean if you're first and run scored on offense why are you trading for Manny Machado? I mean, there's there's something to that. Even if we can dig in the numbers and say there are some, you know, maybe he's October, he helps you be October-proof. I get that. I get that. So I just think let's wait this thing out. Let's just see how this thing plays out. Addison Russell, just like Ian Happ, even though he's had a couple more years than Ian Happ, last year was a throwaway year with the personal problems. He's, he's come alive a little bit lately, Russell has. He's not an untalented player, right? Let's see how this devolves. I mean, the good thing is the trade deadline is July 31st, so I think it's premature. I mean, who talks about trades in April and early May? Teams are still trying to figure themselves out. I mean, once we get to June, we can, we can start to assess the Cubs better. But even then, you have two months, two months to figure things out before the deadline. Uh, Jess, um, we know that there is a uh, talk show host here on the station who has mentioned several times that uh, Quintana is elite. Um, <laughs> yesterday, he was elite. I mean, one hit over seven innings. Uh, obviously, that's a silly question. Everything was working for him. But that's what that's more of what Cub fans were expecting from this guy when they got him last year in exchange for Jimenez and uh, Cease. Yeah, see, this is, remember Joe a couple weeks ago in, 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 in a press conference, he, he was trying to defend Darvish and saying, this guy competes, don't say he doesn't compete. And it was, it was frankly me that had brought it up to Joe, you know, a start before that. I said, is that kind of what he's missing here? Because I don't know what the, I don't know what the word is. What, it's obvious Darvish isn't missing stuff, right? Yeah. So I, I, I don't want to call him soft necessarily. I don't know him well enough to know that. I don't, I, so I use the word compete. That seems like a softer way of saying, He's he's soft. I don't know, but Joe didn't like that word. But you know what? It's the same thing with Darvin. It was the same thing with Quintana. I tweeted this out twice between starts. I talked to Quintana the other day. I was trying to get to what's going on, fastball command, all this stuff, and he just looked at me between starts and he said, "It's time. It's time to pitch better." That's all he said. It's time to pitch better. Interview was over. I'm like, I get it. I get what he, that's competing to me. Yeah. I was not surprised. Now, I know why, why doesn't Darvish and Quintana say that between every start? It's, it's, that's, it's human nature. Sometimes you've got to hit rock bottom, and you forget about video, you forget about command, and you just compete. See John Lester for evidence. You just compete. To me, that did not shock me after what I, I mean, now guys can say that a lot, and then it doesn't happen, and, you know, so my storyline doesn't fit in that case. The narrative doesn't work. But that's the first time Quintana just said those words, at least in, in my presence. Uh, it's time to pitch better. And I almost want Darvish to get to that point where 
I don't care about anything else that's going on. It's just me and that batter, and I'm going to compete. And that's where I will, con- I will fight back on Joe. If it's not about competing, then why is Lester better than Darvish right now? His stuff isn't better. Why is Lester better than Darvish or any other pitcher on that staff right now? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it is about it is about competing, and that's a nice word, way of saying it. Because there's a there's a there's the other way of saying it, and and I just don't want to go there yet because it's been six weeks. But you know, other people have called him soft. I'll just say he's not competed as much as he should. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so Quintana in Game Two was great. What about Kyle Hendricks in Game One yesterday? Yeah, you know, I, I, and I'm going to be critical. Uh, Russell makes an error. Okay, you're Kyle Hendricks. Yeah. Pitch around it, and he agreed. He agreed. I got to pitch around it. You know, he had run the, ba- run the bases the, the inning before. He didn't use that as an excuse. But something, you, uh, if you're looking for what threw him off, well, the error, maybe running the bases, because the guy was sailing, right? What, what the heck happened there? Um, he lost his command a little bit, you know, but why? Why? We don't know exactly. So he, he was upset with himself. He didn't pitch around that error um, and, and couldn't get out of that inning. So I, I don't know exactly, you know. Um, I think this. I, I think this guy has no hitter stuff in him the, in, in this era of baseball because there's so many games where we see guys go to the sixth and seventh inning, all these strikeouts piling up. Even though he's not a strikeout pitcher, I, I, I see a new a near no hitter or a no hitter in his future. But um, you know, he is a guy that can lose command. Whether a lot of times it happens in the first inning. I don't know what happened yesterday, and he's not exactly sure either. So I wish I had a better answer. You just need to drive him to the ballpark beforehand, and then he'll he'll hit a no hitter. Um, so. Jesse didn't like that one. Yeah, I know. No, I, 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 no it's fine. Uh, no, uh, I agree. So, it wasn't that funny, though. So no, I agree fine. with Jesse. He could have given me the courtesy chuckle. <laughs> That's okay. He gives Cap the courtesy well, chuckle I, all the time. I, I don't get it, that it kind took, of. It took me, it I got to earn that. It took me a second because I didn't drive Jake Arrieta to the ballpark. Took I took a cab. Yeah, yeah, see, you messed up the jump, yeah, whatever. Whatever. And it was four days before his no hitter. It wasn't like that morning. Yeah, see, take that, Adala. Regardless. Anyway, Chris Bryant has the day off today uh, before the Cubs have a day off tomorrow. Because of all of these makeup games that the Cubs are going to have in this stretch in August at the end of the season, towards the end of the season when they have to play like 23 in a row, is Madden going to start to rest guys and give them an extra day if they have a day off beforehand? Is this something that's going to become more regular because of all these makeup games? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think the word is, is he going to start? Is he going to continue? This is this is absolutely his M.O., even for the Stars. Um, definitely when there's a day off the next day, or he can do it on the other end. We even talked about this that this morning. He could have gone like... Um, you know, Wednesday, Thursday this week for Brian off, but he chose Sunday, Monday just because of the, the, the lateness of the games with Atlanta, the rain delays, the doubleheader he played in both ends. So, yeah, Madden likes to do that, use the day off um, uh, along with another game. And, and sometimes he'll do it when, when there's a fatigue factor, other times just when he thinks, you know, it's just time. But, and Bryant was hit the dirt a few times, was sliding hard. He just saw it in his face that he might need a day, even though the bat is fine. It's not like the bat looks fatigued. Guy's off to a great start. And there's no doubt, it's tough not to write Bryant's name in the lineup when he's going well. But, you know, Joe, if, if it's easier for anybody, it's going to be easier for Madden because he, he's a rotate-the-lineup the kind of guy anyway. Russell is sitting today, even though he's going well. Um, but they've had a tough schedule um, with with the rain delays and the doubleheader here, so it makes sense. Does anybody ever question Joe, uh, other than me, uh, when when you <laughs> when you rest a guy who's hot? Like um, you look at Russell, and he went four for four, got on base five times two nights ago, and then you sit him today, and he's going to be off tomorrow. Don't a lot of times when players get hot after not being hot, don't they want to stay in the lineup? 
Yeah, and Joe Joe will um, adhere to that if it's a true hot streak. I remember last year, Listella got a little hot and he played him. He started him like four days in a row. How'd you remember he, that? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I thought he'd start today after the three for five yesterday. Sure, but I will say. But remember, you you see, you go, you mentioned the four for four. He went zero for five in game one yesterday. I know. Yeah. So it, it, it can change quick. Is that truly being hot one game? That Joe will say no. Joe, it takes more than one game, and and so. But he will. There's no doubt he will not necessarily look at the night before. But if it was three or four in a row, he, he'll 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 go with that. He'll, he like when Baez was batting second, Elmore first. He that was due to the hot streak. As soon as they cooled off, he t- he took them out of that. Gotcha. So I'll say this: if, if Russell went four for four, then followed up with the three for four, and then the night capter, then he sat him. That maybe that'd be a little disturbing. But but he went over five yeah. after the four for four. So it tells it tells you it's not really a true hot streak. And it's a perfect time not to sit Ian Happ because of five for nine and all the walks and all that stuff. Yeah, right. there you go. That makes like, sense. He, like exactly. Yeah. Like Ian's having a good little stretch, so that's where maybe he started today yeah. when maybe he would not have because he's playing third, which is not his natural position. Which, by the way, Matt, you know they they do all the numbers and they don't think with Darvish pitching and Cincinnati hitting there'll there'll be a lot of balls to third base. Now they might be wrong. Who knows? But they have to base it off of something. But that's why Happ is at third and not somewhere else. Jess, enjoy the day, and then you get to come home, and even you get a day off tomorrow. We'll, day off bu- tomorrow, we'll buy you. Off. Yeah, we'll buy you all day long. Yeah, but, yeah. I know. Well, yeah, at least, but I'm, I don't have to be at the ballpark, which I love, but, yeah. you know, it's nice to have a day off. Day off Thursday, so it's a light week for the Cubs after all these rain delays and stuff like that. So it's kind of a much-needed little break. Another rematch with the uh, the, the Indians from two years yep. ago, so that should be fun. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, guys, take care. Even you, Adam. Thanks, Jesse. <laughs> Jesse Rogers in Cincinnati. We've got about two minutes, and I wanted to ask yeah. the one person at this station who probably wagers more than anybody. What's up? Tom Waddle? No, he's pretty close. Full throttle waddle. Well, he's he's the gambling okay, machine. So legalized sports gambling. I could not tell you how happy I was that I was not on the air earlier this week because I know it was wall to wall. I know it's a huge story. All that stuff is great. You know, I, I understand. And mm-hmm. hey, like I like I like sports betting, not necessarily as much as most of the people here, but I like being. A, I'd like to go to a store and be able to say, "Listen, uh, you know, uh, um, Lucas Giolito is going after for a, for a second win." I'd like to put a bet down on the game uh, without having a guy how is it going to change people that either one have guys or two have uh, you know off offshore accounts well it, it'll change in the way that you receive your money basically when you win if Why you, you win. have to put it up well yeah i mean so if you gamble enough to where you have to be taxed on it like when we were at the kentucky derby uh waddle won a an exacta or trifecta or something and it paid like sixteen hundred dollars. His right. wife made it. Is yeah. it was on his account, and he had to call and give more information than you do when you sign up because they had to take taxes out for when they gave him the money. Right. So the, that will change. Like right now, if you have an, uh, an offshore account with like Bovada or Sportsbook, when you get your money, it comes in a foreign check. So the check comes from Canada or wherever, and you have to deposit that into your bank, and it takes more time because it's a foreign check or whatever. And you don't necessarily have to claim it on your – you should, but you don't necessarily have to claim it on your taxes if it's over $600. Now, because it's legal, if you want to, uh, or when the technology is afforded to people to get – to gamble – It'll be easier to get your money because they can just deposit directly into your account because it's you, and you just get an American check because it's legal. 
And but the I guess they can tax it now. Yeah. Do you think that's I mean, I think that's going to be the later one. I mean, I think the phone legalized phone sports betting is going to be after they legalize places to you know, sports. You know what the, I mean? I mean going the, in. Well, it depends on where like you can are. I think they said by next weekend you'll be able to gamble in New Jersey. But you'll have to go in. You have to go in. Yeah, right. yeah, that's fine. I mean, and I, there's already the technology is already out there. Like if you have a FanDuel or a, a whatever Draft it is, DraftKings, uh, yeah. they sent out emails to people saying that they already have this in place and this will be yeah. a go for right. football season. So I don't know what that means if they'll have like prop bets for players or if you'll be able to actually go on FanDuel and gamble on a game because it's based on like states. So like this express bet. You can't use it if you live in California, right? Because it's illegal. Yeah. So you had to put in your address and confirm everything and do all that, and it wouldn't let you. And you have to do location. You have to allow it to know your location. Location all the time, right? Not all the time. Only when you're using the right. app. But because if well, you're in California, yeah. it won't work. Yeah. So, Am I the only one with all of this conversation that thinks it's just a much to do about nothing? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if you gamble, you gamble. It won't affect me one bit. I, no, I already gamble. gamble, and I will continue to gamble. But you'll gamble differently, though. Won't, will, yeah, will, maybe. Will you go to the legal place, or will you stay with? Not that you, what you're doing now isn't legal. I know myself. I'll just stick with what I'm already doing. Okay. I only gamble in college football and the NFL, and that's it. But how will you do it? Will you go to an app that is legal, or will you continue to use a Bovada or Depends. sports book what's or whatever? Easy, what's easier? If the Here's, ESPN app. Allows me to click on a team and then put money into that and to make that bet, then I'll probably use that because it'll be the app that I'm looking at that works on my phone. Like I, the difference will be this: it'll be the juice. If if offshore betting is still uh, minus one ten, people will stay with that. If yeah, states I mean, like if Illinois tries to rectify their budget. Uh, problems by legalizing sports gambling and they make the juice minus 120 or minus 125, no one's going to do yeah, it. Yeah, right. Like, you're going to find the best price, right? Like, yeah. you shop around now, right? Yeah. Like, I, most people, Abdallah, uh, we shop around on the weekends. We see what's out there. We see the different lines. I, and what's going I did shop around. Now you're both married. Oh, well, yeah, that yeah. too. <laughs> um, but I, I think, like, I get that there might be some people who thought it was taboo gambling. So then they refused to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Those people might change. Yeah. Okay. But well, there are already people gambling. So to me, it's like, okay, we, and like this whole idea that now we can talk about it. Well, I, obviously, right. you've never listened to shows during football season because all we talk yeah. about is gambling. But yeah. when I, I, like, I like sports betting, but I only sport, I only bet on sports when I go to Vegas. And when I go to Vegas, my That's wife's fair. going to slots, and I walk into the sports book. Well, I'll bet a couple of games. I'll bet a couple of races. And then I can come back later on and, and do that. That's but the I'll same that reason the why I know that I know myself. So I only gamble on college football and the NFL. Because if I'm doing it every day during the baseball season and through the NBA season, I'm going to have an issue. Yeah. I mean, so I limit myself <laughs> to football, and then that's it. When yeah. football's over, when we the Super Bowl's over and the college football playoffs over, that's it. I, need, I wait until next year. I there need, will be more football next year. Yes, I there will gam- be. I will gamble then. Napoli's yeah. got to score two more goals yeah. here. And like, and I've got a dolly go. here in full throttle waddle <laughs> going nuts. They're gambling on the WNBA and horses no, no, and all no. kinds of things. I only I gamble on soccer and uh, I, I gamble on that. sports. I don't gamble on 
and, and horse. I gambled on the Derby when you I was there. You don't gamble on the dog show. No, the I Westminster. Don't. No, dog I don't show? gamble on the dog show. I, yeah, maybe, maybe you should. Yeah, the worst commercial on TV right now is one where they say, you know, you're the best in show, and you're the best in show, and then they say more winners are better. It's for the Illinois Lottery. They go more winners are better. Not in an uh, in contest. They're not. See, Fred, that's one that, winner. That's that soft millennial generation yeah, where everybody everyone gets wins. See, you know, everybody gets you know what this country's built on? Losers. Because when you lose, you realize you need to get better. That's what we need to teach people. I know you're being sarcastic. But no, you, I'm, you, I'm you, actually being gonna, serious about I was going to say, you, I was gonna, you, yeah. it sounded sarcastic, but yeah, you're actually you're truthful. The, the participation trophy uh, culture is uh, we, we, rough. We bring in Nick Friedel. I'm sure he has a few participation trophies <laughs> back in his home. Uh, so it's Black me. Abdallah Hubner. We'll talk with Nick Friedel about hoops. We come back after this on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. I'm easy like Sunday morning. Oh, it is Sunday morning, and uh, hopefully the rain is letting up. It's supposed to let up by noon, according to, I should say, according to Tracy Butler, because she was, she was in here once, and I mentioned on my phone the weather, and she got all upset. So, don't want to do that. Not to Tracy. Um... So hopefully it gets nice out. I'm going to the fire game today, three o'clock, as the fire take on Houston. Big game after they uh, struggled last Saturday. So we'll see what happens today. Um, but right now we're going to talk more basketball because that's what Nick Friedel does. Why'd you bother me? It's brunch time. <laughs> Nick Friedel, nice enough to join us here. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Freddie Hubner, Chicago's game day on ESPN 1000. Hey Nick, what's up? I I just love it, Freddie. Every time I'm like, yes, yes, I. I'll be there. I'll be there for you guys. Then, first thing out of Mr. Abdallah's mouth is some, I can't believe you guys got me out of bed for this. Uh, where are you? Oh, man, it's been a long day. I've been on a lot of airplanes. I always, I always love the Nick impression that I get before I actually speak. It's a, uh, it's a good experience. It is. It is the impression that you get. Hey, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Never had to knock on wood. What are you, the mighty, mighty Boston? Okay, the show's over. We're going to end it right there. Uh, The (laughs) Boston's reference will end the show uh, with with 25 minutes Uh. left uh, on the clock. Okay, Nick, can you, just before we get into basketball, uh, Tom Waddle recently found out that Abdallah's nickname is Bad Mood Bobby. You are the one that gave him that nickname. Why? Because my man needs a hug a lot. (laughs) If you see Mr. Abdallah just rolling through Chicago or, or coming to the station for some reason. Just give him a hug. Because some days there's a lot going on and, and he gets in a bad mood and he just needs a pick-me-up. And, and that's our guy. He's always been there and he will always be there uh, for anybody. But you just, you just need to pull him out of that, that black cloud sometimes. That's all. I was in a great. I don't. I just don't like the. I just. No, I'm in a great mood. I'm in a great <laughs> mood. The problem That's not is, what I see when you guys are retweeting all the the Bears fans that are screaming at you recently. Yeah, exactly. I'm in a great mood, and they don't want to listen to logic. That's fine. That's their problem, well, not mine. That happens a lot. I feel like on uh, the station at various points in the day. All right, tell me about college kids, about players, about uh, <laughs> what, what happened at the combine. Who who did what? Who did what? <laughs> you heard me. Get report, him, Nick. report, Nick. Better yet, or who? Or better yet, who didn't? 
I know. I, I well, did hear. There, there, there's the key, guys. As, as you all well know, anybody who's <laughs> who's at the top of that draft, nobody did anything because most of those guys weren't there. Uh, the the most interesting takeaways, uh, at least from a national perspective, were that Michael Porter Jr. very clearly had a, a list of talking points. I would assume given by his agent, and is hitting hitting them pretty well. And then blurts out, "Yeah, I feel like I'm the best player in the draft still, uh, despite having the back surgery and uh, only playing a handful of games uh, last year in his one year at Missouri." I mean, he is. A very confident kid. Uh, I, I, that was the first time I'd ever heard him talk live and in person. He wanted to make it very clear uh, that he still felt he was the best. And why did he do that? Because there's a lot of money on the line. I mean, you've got to you've got to show and prove not only to the media, uh, but to these teams, the GMs, that you can come out and uh, be an impact guy in the NBA right away. And when you've had the type of injury history that he's had, uh, you got to say and do whatever you feel like you need to do prior to the draft to make that happen. So then the next day, here comes Trey Young, and he says, not only do I feel like I'm the best player in the draft, I want to be the best player in the league. Now, uh, that's what he should be saying, uh, but I don't think anybody's standing there. <laughs> Anybody around the league actually believes that because Trey Young, haven't seen him in person now, guys, is a small, small uh, player. I mean, he's a small man. He, to to think that he is going to have uh, the kind of success that he had in college, and he really ran out of gas towards the end of the year at Oklahoma, but to think that he's going to have the same kind of success in college, or excuse me, in the NBA that he did in college, that is a real stretch to me. No. I mean, it is few and far between to see uh, a player that small be able to have the durability to stay on the floor uh, and to have that same kind of uh, prowess from outside night after night after night. Nick, we were talking earlier about Michael Porter Jr. And if if his uh, you know medicals all come back good, how high do you think he'll go? Do you think he could still be there when the Bulls pick at seven? Do you think he'll be in the top three or four? Where do you think he was going to go? Did you get any feel for that with uh, the people that were all there? Yeah, Freddie, I... I'd be a little surprised if he made it to where the Bulls are at seven, unless they moved up, which is uh, always possible. Uh, I think that he has the type of ceiling that if you're, uh, if you, if you get all his medicals and you talk to your doctors and they say, you know what, he's healthy, uh, he's good, then I, I would think a team is going to take a chance on him uh, before the Bulls would have that opportunity. But, you know, we're going to see in the next month. This is all, what always happens in the draft. There's always somebody that has been through something, or usually is. Uh, you have to study those uh, records really, uh, really well, and you've got to just hope that uh, he's able to stay on the floor. If it's me and a kid has already had back surgery at 18, and, uh, you know, you never know how these kids are. They're 18, 19 years old. Can they develop and mature in the right situation? We'll see. But, uh, just in talking to people that have been around Porter throughout the year, <laughs> the one thing you keep hearing is, ah, maybe he's not the uh, the best uh, teammate in the world, and maybe he's not going to fit into the the structure of the locker room uh, as quickly uh, as you would hope. Those are all factors, uh, but how talented is he, and how well can he play once he gets out there? Uh, well, we're going to find out here uh, in short order, but if you're the Bulls, 
uh, every you know people say, oh, you know, you can't draft for need. My answer back there, uh, Freddie, is they have every need. They need <laughs> everything. I mean, I think we'd all agree that uh, marketing it, it could be a guy for a long time, but the the issue is marketing only played one season and he had some back issues himself. Right. So. I mean, I like Markkinen a lot. I think that he can really play. Uh, but I'm not going to sit there and go, okay, well, you know, we have this or that, and we don't need anything else. No. You get to seven, uh, assuming you stay in that spot, and you pick the best player on your board, period. Uh, and, you know, the Bulls just have to trust that the scouting uh, and the time they put in will get them the right player that they need. Nick, someone that uh, intrigues me as a prospect is the center from Texas, Mo Bamba. Did you get a chance to talk with him over the week? I did, and Chris, let me tell you, wherever Mo Bamba goes uh, in the league, uh, assuming that he can he can play uh, and, and he can develop pretty quickly, I think he's got a chance to be a star because he has something that a lot of these kids don't have, at least at first glance here. He's got a major personality. Uh, and, you know, is that going to help you win games? Uh, <laughs> probably not, but it's going to help you in one of these markets, uh, and especially nationally, come to the forefront. So uh, Bamba is a kid that I know a lot of people in the league like. The question on Bamba is going to be how well can his offense develop? Because defensively, uh, he's already shown. He's got the length. He's got the athleticism. He can come in and be a difference maker on that end of the floor. But, guys, we've all seen how the league has changed. Uh, you know, the, the days of, you know, the big-time center throwing them down, throwing the ball down to him on the block, uh, those days are done. I mean, the Bulls have Robin Lopez. Robin Lopez is a solid, solid pro, and he's good in the locker room. Robin Lopez in this era of the NBA doesn't do much for you anymore. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying Mo Bamba is Robin Lopez. I'm just saying that Mo Bamba has to prove that he can start knocking down uh, some some longer range shots, and he can open up the floor when he's on it with everybody else. So, uh, I think he's an intriguing prospect. Again, this is where the scouting comes in. If you believe he can develop that shot more, and it can become more consistent, uh, then uh, maybe that's your guy. Uh, probably somewhere between the top five uh, or, or uh, seven or eight, somewhere where the Bulls are. Nick, you've been around this team a long time. You know Pax. You know Gar pretty well. If the draft were today, who would they take? Hmm. Oh, man. I would lean towards, lean towards right now today, uh, one of two guys having just been out there the last couple days. I mean, the guy that I like personally and, and think would really help them is Bridges, Kel Bridges from Villanova. Uh, but the, another guy who's kind of jumped on not just their radar, but I, I think a lot of people that were uh, sitting at that combine is Wendell Carter uh, from Duke. Uh, and he's a, a big man. He can shoot it a little bit. Uh, you know, he was kind of blocked uh, at Duke by Bagley and Grayson Allen. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. was also on that team. And that, that team was loaded with, <laughs> with NBA talent. Uh, uh, but... I think that those guys, they fit what the Bulls are trying to do on top of, and we've all seen it for years, they come from solid programs with solid coaching. 
and I would think they'd be able to adjust and adapt to the game a little quicker because of that. So right now, assuming they, they stay in place, I, I'd lean towards one of those two guys. The issue there is uh, if you're the Bulls, you have to decide if you're in love with somebody above them. And that comes with the scouting and seeing these guys up close in the workouts. And, you know, everybody says, okay, well, you know, what, who, who, who is not untouchable uh, right now? And I'd say I, and nobody, nobody is untouchable. I mean, Markinen is the, lone, the one guy I, I think I would lean that is closest to that. Uh, and I'm not saying I think the Bulls are going to make a deal. But if teams start calling the night before the draft or the couple nights before the draft, as they always do, you've got to decide what you're willing to part with. And I think the only guy that the Bulls are married to right now in this moment is Markinen moving forward. Nick, uh, despite Adam's impressions of you, we appreciate you jumping on. Guys, I always enjoy talking to you. Have Back a great to brunch. Love you, Nick. Back yeah. to brunch time. Love you guys. See hey, you, Nick. Hey, Nick, is, uh, is Calvin Harris on iTunes? Oh, my gosh. Come on now. Of course he is. See you, Nick. We appreciate Bye. it. Bye-bye. Uh, we come back, we're going to wrap things up, and I want to ask you guys the difference between Mo Bamba and uh, Hassan Whiteside. It's Black Abdallah Hubner here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Uh, welcome back in. Hey, the Wizard of Oz is here across <laughs> okay, the street, yeah. right there at the Chicago All Theater. Right. I'll be there Tuesday. Todd Rundgren and Utopia is going to be playing. And You're I'll banging be, on the drums, Fred? Yes. I'll be banging on the drum. And, all day, uh, perhaps? I'll have a hammer in my heart and all that stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot of good stuff. He He's getting together with his band that he hasn't played with in like 30 years. So that should be fun. Yeah, I got two tickets, and uh, I'm still looking for someone else to go with her. Hey, Abdullah, give, you want to go? I'm just going to give the ticket away to someone. All right. So if anybody's looking on Tuesday, just find me, and uh, I'll give them a ticket. Unless they find somebody else to go with. There but, you go. Uh, yeah, and then yeah. Abdullah's in. He goes to concerts. I do go to concerts. Yeah. I don't think Todd Rundgren's up his alley. Not, no. No. Sorry. There is an alley right next to the Chicago Theater, but I don't think it's up. he's up his alley. No. So you guys are both busy all day. I know, I know Chris has places to go. He wore a nice shirt today. Yeah, uh, post-graduation party should be fun. Yeah. Go to brunch. And we're out of here. Eric says we got to leave. Okay. Thanks to Chris all Forsberg, right. Jesse Rogers, Nick Friedel. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Eric Ostrowski for all of his help. The fun starts again tomorrow morning, uh, I guess at 5, and then at 9 with uh, <laughs> and then at nine with Cap. It starts at 5, Fred. Come on. Oh, that's right. It starts at 5 with uh, Go Like a Wingo right here on ESPN 1000.